on, and we're gonna have the hap hap happiest Christmas. I'll never turn to the dark side. Into Benoit Blanc. Can you introduce me as Joker? I am the father. Hi, everybody. A little precursor for the main event of today's show. I had planned to do an episode of Let Me Fill You In for Wednesday, but between the holidays and, and life itself, there wasn't a date to uh, do another recording. So I'm putting this at the beginning of today's show because I wanted to share some brief thoughts on Napoleon. I saw it last weekend over Thanksgiving, and to use a word that is often part of the cinematic lexicon, and it does get a lot of use, but it is worthwhile in describing this film, epic. Truly epic. I had high expectations going into Napoleon, and they were not only met, but surpassed across the board. This film is a triumph, a sprawling spectacle that is surprisingly hilarious and charming all at once, to say nothing of the glorious battle sequences that take place throughout the course of the film. Ridley Scott does it like no other, and of course Joaquin Phoenix never turns in a bad performance as far as I am concerned. Uh, but the real standout, I thought, was Vanessa Kirby. She has such a, a layered performance as as Josephine, and you know, whereas Napoleon is much more in your face and and brutish, uh, like he was in real life. Josephine was much more complicated, and and the performance is nuanced, and it's it's just a marvelous uh, interpretation by by Vanessa Kirby. Her and, and Joaquin Phoenix have tremendous chemistry, and they play off each other so well, particularly in the, uh, shall we say, more humorous moments of their uh, complicated and, and, and storied love story. Uh, just just beautiful and, and mesmerizing. I, I adore this film, and I'm equally delighted to see that it is resonating with audiences across the country. It's done phenomenal at the box office, not that that's always a precursor or a measure of everything, but I think it's it says a lot about this film's quality and what audiences are looking for, and I'm glad more than anything else this film was released in theaters, because this was initially conceived to be a direct-to-streaming uh, production for uh, Apple, and fortunately, uh, it went out to, to auction. Sony came in and uh, bought the rights and then, of course, has given it this theatrical release because particularly the, the action and battle sequences, you need to see them on the largest screen imagine, uh, uh, larger screen possible, I should say. It, it is just expansive and glorious and, and bloody. I mean, you literally feel like you are right there alongside Napoleon and his soldiers. Just breathtaking 
filmmaking. And, and again, Ridley Scott is another one who always has his signature all over all over the screen. And it's clear with this film uh, a wonderful re, uh, reteaming with with Joaquin Phoenix. And it's it's just marvelous. It's a magnificent film that truly towers. And I know there's been some people that have criticized the. Uh, sort of historical accuracy, if you will, of some of the different sequences and whatnot. And that is not the point of this film. This is not meant to be a A to Z, line-by-line biography. If, if you want that, read a book. There are countless documentary films on the subject. This is meant to be a cinematic experience. It certainly takes creative license at, at certain points. You know, the one scene that's getting a lot of uh, uh, discussion, shall we say, is the sequence uh, where Napoleon is firing uh, his uh, his cannons at the at the pyramids. You know, there's some debate whether or not that actually happened. At the end of the day, that is that's a cinematic choice, that's a creative choice, and it it, it just looks spectacular on scene. And that's something that you really want with a film like this. This is not meant to be a history lesson necessarily that you might get from your textbooks or from. Um, something in a, in a lecture, but meant to be an immersive experience about a complicated and, and frankly, uh, off-putting little man that, I mean, quite nearly conquered the world. I mean, just a, a master technician, but at the same time, a, a brutish and, 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 frankly, awkward individual. I, I, I just... I was blown away by this film for all intents and purposes. It is easily one of my favorite films of the year. I expect it will be on my top ten ranking uh, later this month. But I just wanted to share a few quick thoughts on this film before it it slips away because this is this is truly a, a mesmerizing achievement, and it just it, it feels like sort of old school cinema come to life again. There's a grandiose spectacle that is just dripping in every single scene and it crescendos in a kind of quiet and intimate way. It's marvelous, it is fantastic, and it is truly something that needs to be seen on the biggest screen imaginable. So I would recommend this film without question. It's a five-star movie for me. My plan is to, sometime in, in early 2024, do a full-length discussion episode on this movie because I really think, like Killers of the Flower Moon, which I promise you is, is going to happen in 2024, this is a movie that really warrants and, and frankly, is deserving of a longer discussion and, and analysis because it is so massive and and. and, and powerful and it's it's truly an assault of a movie in the best possible way and interestingly enough there is a four hour cut of this film coming down the line i think that will be on uh apple plus hopefully will be a a a home uh, video release as well but the movie itself right now is two and a half hours 
And so it, it covers a large scale of story and scope, but it does feel like there's, there's other aspects that could be explored or, or developed more, particularly uh, Napoleon's relationship with his, his mother, which was complicated to say the least. Uh, so I, I will be uh, right there for when the four-hour cut is, uh, is available. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I almost needed to see it right now. That's how excited I am about this particular movie. Uh, but my thought is once the four-hour cut is released, that'll be a good time to do a deep-dive analysis and discussion on Napoleon. But I wanted to just give a little tease on the subject right now and to say that I finally saw it, and it is magnificent and just a, a glorious triumph that, like I said, I had high expectations for it going in, and it just shattered those expectations through the roof. This truly is one of the best sort of you know, historical epics, if you want to use that word, because it is a true grand scale epic. And I, I just, oh, chef's kiss, absolute uh, decadent and dazzling filmmaking and performances on top of that. So there is my little, uh, my appetizer, if you will, for Napoleon. More to say on the subject uh, in the uh, first part of 2024. All right, and on to the main event. It's time to head to the North Pole and revisit the classic film starring Tim Allen, The Santa Claus. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phil at the Movies. I'm your host, Phil Walsh, and it is December 1st. Yes, we have made it to the final month of 2023. The holiday season is upon us. Hope everyone, of course, had a great and happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Now, as I have been teasing for the last uh, number of weeks. This is going to be a exciting time of the year uh, here at Phil at the Movies. Not only will we be doing a, a look back at the year that was in movies, there'll be a, a ranking episode later on in the month, but of course it is Christmas time and uh, I am a, a big fan of the uh, of the holiday, not you know, probably as, as big a fan as my uh, my guest on this show. He uh, <laughs> he 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 earns the name Mister Christmas, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, in any event, the next number of shows are going to be uh, dedicated to uh, the the uh, the sights and sounds, if you will, the the movies of the season. And what better way to kick off the the holiday season, the uh, Christmas here at Phil at the movies, than by talking about arguably one of the most beloved Christmas films of the last 30 years. And of course, I'm talking about the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen and, you know, frankly, the wonderful and, and colorful and at times wacky franchise that has followed. <laughs> but uh, today I am delighted to be welcoming uh, back to the show for the first time in a while, Mr. Anthony Caruso from Tis the Podcast, Mr. Christmas himself. Well, Anthony, welcome back. And let me be the uh, first to say to you on this show, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, uh, joy on the well, and welcome back, brother. <laughs> welcome back. Thank Thank you so much. I am so excited to be back, especially to talk the Santa Claus. Well, I was going to say this is a uh, not only one of your favorite Christmas films, but one of your all-time favorite movies. So I think we've uh, we've picked a good film to to talk about today, and certainly it is back in the uh, 
the public's uh, imagination, what with the Disney Plus show now in its second season. Uh, and we can certainly touch on that uh, later mm-hmm. on in the show as well as the entire uh, franchise. But uh, I will just tell you, uh, fellow listeners and friends, uh, we're also going to be doing our top five uh, Santa performances, favorite Santa performances. Ooh. So uh, again, this is a good opportunity to look back through all the uh, different interpretations of everyone's favorite jolly old elf on the big screen or on the small screen too, because let's just face it, the uh, the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials are as, are as solid and as, uh, as real as any live-action Christmas movie, as far as I'm concerned. And I know Anthony would share that sentiment. So uh, this oh, is a I good definitely time. agree, even yeah. though uh, Rankin-Bass Santa could be a little jerky. Oh, that, that's very fair. That's very fair. <laughs> we'll we, we get into that if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, I have thoughts on, on that particular Santa Claus. But um, uh, let me know in the comments. This is a good time to chime in with your rankings, your top five favorite Santa performances, as well as your thoughts on the Santa Claus and the subsequent sequels and Disney Plus show. But without any further uh, further, further ado, let's return and uh, hitch up the sleigh or shake up the uh, the snow globe, if you will, and talk about the film that, I mean, I really feel like this became a Christmas class at the minute it came out. It's not like some of these movies like Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life where it took time for these movies to uh, sort of reach that cultural status as a Christmas icon. This movie, I feel like when it came out, it hit and it has just only gotten bigger with with audiences and more and more people are sort of jumping to this, uh, jumping on the bandwagon. I mean, I've seen countless surveys that rank Tim Allen is people's favorite uh, live action Santa Claus. So, uh, Anthony, let me start and just say, what was your first experience with this movie? How did you discover it? Did you see it in the theater? Did you see it on uh, VHS or TV? Yeah. So before I get into that, I do want to say, yeah. So when this came out, Tim Allen had the number one show on TV, the number one book in the country. And then Mm. this movie came out at number one. So he was on top of his game which uh, I think definitely helped the movie's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 1994, good year for film, because Miracle on 34th Street, the remake, came out that year as well, a few weeks later. Um, it is a classic. We'll see if uh, that Santa makes either of our lists. Um, we'll see. But, <laughs> so n- 94, this came out in November 94, so I would have been four years old at the time. Okay. Uh, I was born September 89. Um, I do remember they actually took, my parents actually took me to see this in movie theaters. Oh, wow. Um, and I just remember being completely like, I didn't get a lot of the more adult stuff. Like there is some, like a serious story going on with the divorce and parenthood and everything. It's the most serious of the original films, I think, without question. Yeah, correct. I would agree with that. But what really enraptured me as a child, and it still does, this film is magical. Mm. And this film, in terms of the live-action Santas, is probably my favorite origin story for Santa. Because not only... I mean, it, it explains everything a kid wants to know, right? How does he carry around all the gifts? Well, he has an endless bag he can pull gifts out of. Uh, he, the chimneys magically appear for him. Um 
Charlie even has a line about the space-time continuum slows down, like to let him go around the world at night. And it answered every question a child would have. Why can't people find the North Pole? Well, it's actually underground. That's why. That's why nobody sees it. And uh, for a kid, that was just, you know, mind-blowing. Because none of the Rankin Bass specials or anything explained any of that. Um, and I remember we did get the VHS when it came out, and I remember distinctly the clause itself was written around the border of the VHS. Uh, so, like, and putting on the suit, you know, that whole thing. And uh, I loved that. It was a very cool VHS. It got a lot of wear and tear as the years went on. <laughs> <laughs> do you still have it? I think my parents still do at their house. I have to try nice. to find it. Nice, nice. You should yeah. definitely get that uh post a picture or something on uh oh i told totally well. like that that that's a must have a must find but now you you really hit on something this film is magical and you know i i don't want to like turn this into like you know bashing the other movies because like they all have their own charm and 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 uh special moments but there is something unique about this first one and again you really hit it's it's magical and not just with the whole santa origin and exploration but just the whole dynamic between charlie and scott and just the sort of arc they have from the beginning of the film to the very end i mean it's magical but it's it's a a wonderful story kind of in addition to the whole sanctification of scott calvin (laughs) It's a classic Christmas story when you think about it, right? It's mm. essentially the Santa version of It's a Wonderful Life or The Grinch or A Christmas Carol. Yeah. And Scott Calvin, when this movie starts out, is the cold executive. It's about money. He doesn't spend a lot of time with his kids. He's divorced. And uh, he doesn't have any Christmas spirit. And over the course of a year, uh, it's about finding that. It's not just, you know... And the Santafication process, as they refer to it in the second movie, yeah. um, is kind of the conduit for that. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's really timeless, classic Christmas story that's been done a few different times in other films. And I like that. Yeah, it really feels like this film takes all of those great uh, tropes, if you will, and and puts it together in a nice Christmas package under the under the tree, so to speak. Um Certainly, there are many iconic moments in this film, uh, and and again, I want you to list all of your favorite parts. <laughs> uh, but but one that I think is is probably the most iconic of the entire film, and certainly of the entire series, is the beginning. I mean, when we have that classic scene of Scott Calvin running out in his his underwear, and 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 <laughs> Parker, and again. Hey, you. And I mean, from there, it's like the story just it just goes in such a a, a wonderful and zany direction. And I mean, like, like on one hand, you sort of look at like there is like sort of like a darkness to it. Like okay, Santa dies in this movie. Like it's not like it's it's played not for laughs, but it's like if you really step back, it's like, wow, like Santa dies in this movie. It kind of is played for laughs. And the body disappears. The first thing he says is he's naked somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um no, but that that whole you mentioned it is it is quite dark, but um you know, this was obviously, this was originally going to be a lot darker because the original script had Scott Calvin shooting Santa off the roof thinking he was a home invader, which 
I don't know. That's that's a whole I different mean, movie. Yeah, different he murdered movie. Santa, and I don't know how the elves would have necessarily taken him in that case. But yeah. <laughs> you know, the uh, the homicide, but um, no, that uh, you know, regardless of you know the the the, the darker elements, I mean that whole sequence with the discovery of the reindeer the 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 putting on of the suit i mean it's i mean it's like right out of a storybook i mean just everything the music the the effects the the rose such a clatter company with the ladder loved that the reindeer okay so i know the reindeer are a mix of puppets and animatronic i think they look better than the cgi reindeer they use thank you thank you i wish they kept those um Actually, look to real. This, yeah, to this day, Comet is my favorite reindeer because of this movie. There you go. Um, but yeah, that's this whole first Christmas Eve is magical. I love, um, it, you know, it's so funny, it's so heartwarming. I love the let's go when he yells yeah. at Charlie and the reindeers <laughs> take the reindeer take off. Okay. Um, the moment where you first found the coat, like you said. One of the biggest laughs for me in this movie actually comes after he delivers the first toy to the first house where he's like, yeah, and the reindeer literally go to the next house and he's just like, this is going to be a long (laughs) night. (laughs) And then he thinks the bag is empty and the reindeer start growling at him. Yeah. Yeah, that's another another great moment. Yeah, I mean, the chimney. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The, the way the chimney expands and he goes through the pipe at the top of the roof, though. Um, and just the way, too, like, I lived it's the so 60s. well done. Yeah, I lived through the 60s. Yeah, I lived through the 60s. But I love, too, like, the amount of heart this movie has. So that little girl he encounters that first Christmas oh. Eve, he yells at and gets annoyed with. And then he encounters her when he's fully embraced Santa great, at the end. Great payoff. Yeah, great, great payoff. payoff. And he's like, the milk is sour. She's like, it's skim milk. Yeah, and I was like, that's it. perfect. Uh, that's the thing. There's so much that pays off in this script. Again, just the um, the beginning where when they go to the North Pole and there's the whole like kerfuffle about checking of the list and whatnot. And then obviously he gets like, you know, 10,000 boxes delivered <laughs> later on, which is another great scene. But then there's that part where he's like walking down the street and like, you know, he's beginning that transition, you know, further into it. Like he automatically he knows. He knows, okay, that kid was nice, that kid was naughty, you know. He has that and little then, moment with like the, you know, really, really, you know, sexy. Veronica, yeah, really nice. <laughs> In your dreams, fat boy. <laughs> but I love though that this movie, it's not just him who's coming into the power. Kids start recognizing yeah, him the on the street. Scene, yeah. yeah, which is great. He's not the Santa Sue or anything. They just start lining up, they know. Which I think is great. That's another thing. There's the movie does a lot with the details. I mean, there's the whole essay, Scott Calvin. I mean, that's just a great touch uh, in mm-hmm. and of itself. But you see, and like, go ahead. So, sorry, before you move on from the essay, Scott Calvin, those pajamas. I am so glad the Disney Store is finally <laughs> selling those now. <laughs> do, do you own a pair? Of them? I I do. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Bought them last year. There we they go. They also sell Judy's hot cocoa mug. Not as nice as a movie, but they sell a version of it at least oh, now. There we go. Yeah. Have to check. Have to check that out. If not, maybe <laughs> I'm sure Etsy or something has something even more uh, screen realistic accurate, looking. But, yeah. Uh, um, 
no, the, the the details in this movie, like just in the small ways, like his his wardrobe begins to change. It's never like he's running around like a mini Santa suit, but it's like wearing a green tie or he's wearing a, a red sweater or something, or he's got like the hat on. Like it's it's these little subtle moments that just kind of enhance the overall quality of the story and just like the believability okay this guy is literally becoming santa claus you know and to, to say nothing of like you know he packs on like you know 50 pounds <laughs> overnight <laughs> i love that stung by a bee scott that's a great <laughs> seat big bee um now i want to go back to something you said earlier how for all the ups and downs this series has had like it's this first one is just magical and timeless. Flawless. And that to me is reflected in, I don't think the suit or the North pole look as good as it does in this movie ever again. I am so glad that you said that because that is something I have on my notes here. I think the mistake, well, I'll say it right now. I think they made a few mistakes with the sequels. I think one shifting away focus from the charlie scott storyline that's a big mistake and we can we can get into that and talk about that if you want but Mm -hmm. to me putting more focus and emphasis on the north pole in two three and the series i think takes away the the magic of this film you just see what you have to see in this film you see the workshop you see Santa's bedroom. You see kind of like the little mini elf uh, headquarters. You know the the you know guys in the jetpacks. But like <laughs> that's it. Like they they take off outside, like on like a glacier somewhere. But like it's nothing elaborate. It just sort of it checks the boxes, and it's not like they're just sort of like passing time. That's all you need. Like we don't need to see these elaborate mm-hmm. moments mm-hmm. at the North Pole, like he has that moment in the bedroom where he's like describing what he sees. Like that's honestly enough because then like we can picture in our own minds well, what's right. going on. That was enough, especially because they do enough out the window. You can see there's a whole city out there. Exactly. You don't need to see this city. Bingo. Like it's enough Less for him to more. say, is that a polar bear directing traffic? Bingo. Like, yes. Thank you. Less um, is more. But yeah, one of my favorite scenes in this film and the series as a whole, honestly, is um, when Charlie and Scott first go to the North Pole. And Scott's like, was that? That's the North Pole. But that <laughs> magical scene when they start getting lowered down into the workshop and the oh, reindeer yeah. and all the elves pause to look up at them as that car- uh, that carol is playing as they're being lowered down. That oh, scene yeah. still gives me chills oh, to this a, day. That's a wonderful scene. Uh, that, 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 yeah, that, that's like probably the money shot that just that whole uh bringing down of the sleigh and again it, it, it's everything is sort of building to that moment you know what i mean because it's like okay where where are they going to go are they going to go back to his house or no they're going back to the north okay <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. does this look like home to you and the reindeer <laughs> just look at each other and uh yeah. walk away <laughs> and then of course you know the elf comes out like you know puts the little coat and so it's like can you hear me it's like, <laughs> i mean tim allen i as i've said i i think he is widely regarded as one of uh you know, sort of modern audiences favorite santa clauses um but i like, think there's an argument to be made this is probably the role that 
will define him in his bingo more so than anything else. yeah i yep. would agree with that but i don't think he honestly I, he gets a lot of praise but i don't know if he necessarily gets enough for sort of the the multiple layers that he brings to this film because it's it's not just playing like scott the asshole or or scott you know the you know you know, uh, the woman exactly like yeah. it, there's so many different beats he has to hit it's like okay i'm the absentee father but then he's starting to become a better father like he never like especially with the santa stuff he never goes over the top like you could see another actor would like really lean into like the ho 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 and like it'd be almost campy or just ridiculous and it's that fine line between sort of like the absurdity of the situation and then like <laughs> putting your heart and soul in it. And I mean, I mean, I will say it. I think this is still his best take on the character, despite all the other, you know, films and shows. I think like this was the perfect example. This captured everything there is to see about Santa Claus on, uh, on film. It's just a, it's a charming, heartwarming and again, I use that word. It's a magical performance. Yeah, no, I fully agree. And I think one of the other things about this movie I love too, uh, Tim Allen and Scott aside, the characters of Laura and Neil. Mm, I was going to yeah. In a lesser script, Neil, the stepdad, would you wouldn't like him. He would be like the villain, the antagonist. But this character is written in such a way he truly cares about Charlie, and by oh. the end, you truly care about him. He's not the antagonist. He's just oh. dealing with an impossible situation here. Yeah, I, I always it's like um the character of Stu in Mrs. Doubtfire. Again, I love yes. it when care when a script in a movie will go against type because you're you're right. You could easily make Neil the jerk and like oh get Scott and Laura back together that's not the story we don't need to see that and it makes them like you said more enjoyable and relatable characters that they have that sort of groundedness to them and I mean I kind of love Neil's mini arc where he goes from being like this you know serious you know bookish psychiatrist to like you know the end when he gets his weenie whistle. Oh like... he is my favorite even in the sequels. He is my favorite oh, yeah. the unbridled joy he has. Yeah. <laughs> hey uh, big guy. <laughs> I'll lend you my sweater. Yeah. <laughs> um no but his art uh, first of all I love the scene with Laura and Neil. Outside the judge's suite, oh, when Charlie yeah. and they talk to the that's judge, a great, that's a great scene. They're talking about when they stopped believing in Santa, and Neil's like, "I was three. and it really helps you like understand them a little bit more. Why he's not anti-Christmas, but why he's like, there's no point in believing in Santa Claus. You're so analytical. Uh, and how great was the payoff when Scott drops the weenie whistle, a mystery date to them at the Again, end? Again, another scene that has perfect payoff. That. Uh, mm -hmm. I love that whole moment. I love that whole moment. Again, just you you see that childlike innocence in uh in Judge Reinhold's expression. Like again, just like and he says to like Charlie, I'm sorry, Charlie. Like, you know, it's yeah. okay, Neil. You're denying your inner child. <laughs> um, I mean, the lines in this movie, I mean just spectacular. It, it's another quotable Christmas movie. <laughs> And one of the most quotable characters, in my opinion, is Bernard, who oh. I think this was his best turn as well. They made him Agreed. more of a uh, 
a goof, he was, kind of. Yeah, a goof in the sequel. That's the perfect word. And this, yeah. he was the no-nonsense, like, almost New Yorker, the guy from the Bronx, kind of. <laughs> but uh, I, I loved it. Like, <laughs> We in a coffee break. <laughs> we don't drink coffee. Then I guess the break is over. <laughs> perfect. Again, a nice counterbalance uh, to sort of like the, the jovial side of Santa Claus. Yeah, and I think that's needed, uh, you know, and we can talk about more later on, but in in the TV show going on, the one of the best characters in my mind is Betty, his new head elf, and I oh, think yeah. it is because she is such no nonsense. A little and bit it's of the kind Bernard, of, yeah, yeah, and I think it's needed to balance the goofier Tim Allen Santa. Yeah, that was missing in the second, and, and certainly, I mean, he's missing in the third film entirely. But yeah, just mm-hmm. that that no nonsense sort of, you know, from the Bronx, you know, that it just <laughs> it adds such a an interesting dynamic to the North Pole because I mean you expect all the elves to be like these you know you know jolly little little characters running around. And I love speaking of Bernard and Neil, who we were just talking about the end where he's eating yeah. Neil's sandwich. He's like, "Nice sweater, is this one of ours?" And he starts checking the tag, and Neil's like, "Laura, he's sucking us into his delusions." <laughs> Another great scene. Look at the elaborate measures he's taking. <laughs> <laughs> that's another great scene um yeah I, I mean just on on great scenes i mean i love the scene where where scott and charlie are at the zoo and then all like eight reindeer start following him again just like it's a it's a quick scene like in theory you could have just cut it out but like it just adds so much more to to scott's story and again i go back to like i said those little details and I mean, while we're on the subject of of little details, I've seen some people like, I don't know, criticize this part or or get creeped out by it. You know, maybe just the way our society is today. Everyone has to like psychoanalyze this stuff. But the fact that the elves sort of are appearing throughout the story, I I I think that's a wonderful, again, a nice little touch. Like, it, it I sort of adds it, to the whole like mythic quality of the movie. Like, you know, they know something kind of bigger is going on or whatnot. Well, I was about to say, especially after Scott becomes Santa, it makes sense that they're kind of keeping tabs on him throughout the year. Yeah. As he's supposed to be getting his affairs in order. But uh I love, yeah, to your point, I love the zoo scene between him and Charlie and then the reindeer following him. And I love between that and the kids lining up for him. The world is accepting the fact he's Santa long before he is. And I exactly I love so how nice. he's the last to sort of make the jump. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and there's that that touching scene um at the it's you know right near the end where you know so they all have the you know the, the gathering, if you will, in the in the living room where you know Scott and Charlie have their sort of you know formal goodbye or, or whatnot. And that that always like it, it's such a, a a pull on the heartstrings because I mean it's oh, it, when it, he it's, says when he I says love you, Charlie, Santa Claus and oh it's just it, yeah. it, it makes your heart melt it's beautiful and when Charlie's like I can't be selfish and Scott's oh, like you are the yes. least selfish person I know you helped me realize I'm Santa Claus bingo 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 and, and then too like again with Neil it's a moment. Neil's like, Scott, come on. And Scott literally just looks into his eyes, like, no smile. He's not joking. He just looks at him. And it's the moment Neil looks into his eyes. He's like, 
Santa. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's a great moment. It's a great moment. That, that whole scene. Oh, that's probably one of my top moments of the entire film. I love that yeah. part. Me too. Um, I do always find it funny because I never realized it as a kid, but every time I watch it as an adult, I'm like, wow, Scott, for lack of a better word, kidnapped Charlie for a month. He takes him at Thanksgiving. As a kid, I used to think that was like Christmas Eve, but I'm like, no, that's Thanksgiving. He has him a whole freaking month. Like I said, there are elements to this film that like, you know, if it weren't a Disney movie, it would be like, well, this there's a there's a darkness, <laughs> like you know, like you know, Santa's kidnapping kids and like you know, pushing people <laughs> off roofs. It's like yeah, it's a little bit of a you know, dark humor to it. Um, well, even know, in the sequel, like Neil kind of comments on that in a joking way because <laughs> they're like, "How did you know?" And Santa's like, and he's like, "I see you when you're sleeping. I know when you're awake." And Neil's like, "Which is a terrifying thought when you yeah. really stop and think about it." <laughs> <laughs> I mean that that that's again I think a major strength of the movie. Like it, it sort of revels in the uh, you know, creative chaos, if you will. Like it 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 takes itself seriously, but ne- but never too seriously. Like I mean, there's a fine line where like you could be like, okay, like is this like a you know, like a family drama going on here, or is it like? outright you know camp or parody and it's that that perfect balance where i mean you mentioned uh, mentioned at the beginning where you have the beautiful story you've got the heartwarming and comedic moments but you also have sort of like those you know peppered in heavy themes and even like you know some adult uh you know humor which i mean like you know when you watch this movie as a kid like i mean it goes over you but like that scene like in the principal's office like you know, as a oh, yeah. kid, like you know, like okay, like, I, you know, what the you know what the hell's going on here? But then, like you know, you watch it later on, like that. Yeah, that's that's a really funny scene. It's well written. It's like the performances are just like they're there. Everything is like everyone's playing well, it straight. You know, well, even uh, the joke at the beginning of the movie, one eight hundred spank me, yes. and that Disney had to edit that Took out of viewings because it was a real like sex outline or something <laughs> that kids were calling that number. <laughs> um. Oh, the classroom scene. I'm glad you brought the principal. I love the classroom scene where oh, yeah. he goes up to talk about being a toy executive and Charlie introduces him as Santa. <laughs> and the kids just pile on. Like you get that one one jerk kid who's like, so let me get this straight, Santa. All I have to do is push you off the off the roof. <laughs> you have a favorite reindeer? I I, I don't have a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I Tim Allen, it, it is a it is a just a flawless performance. Uh, I, well, I I just love it. He, I love it. Well, yeah, and so Tim Allen obviously was known best for Home Improvement at the time. Yeah, but going from such and he's goofy throughout this film too. But by the end, when you you kind of forget all that when he has fully embodied Santa and has yeah. the full beard and everything, like he has that regal. Uh, Santa magical yeah. quality about him yeah. yeah no and and that that brings a point because certainly there were other actors who were in the discussion who were in the running even i believe bill murray was considered at one point i mean that's that's chevy something chase. to consider yeah chevy chase is the one that is sort of like the fascinating what if because like 
if, if memory serves me correctly, he was offered the role but had to drop out because of scheduling conflicts or something along those lines. And, you know, I mean, Lord knows I love Clark Griswold, but like, I, I just can't see, I, I could not see him finding that balance that, uh, that, that Alan brings to it. I, I think it's a totally different and totally I, different movie. I agree. And even Bill Murray, I think would yeah. have been more of the grumpier David Harbour type Santa at the end. Yeah. 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 Um, now, and we can take this with a grain of salt because anyone can edit IMDb. But right. Did you read the other names who were considered at the time, whether or not they were offered some he, of the other names? Go ahead. Well, the two that really uh, stuck out to me were one Harrison Ford, which totally different movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and second, uh, the other one that really stuck out to me is Alan Rickman. <laughs> yeah, that that one. We get totally Santa different with that movie. voice. I do. Oh, ho, boy. I, ho, I, ho. I don't think we'd be talking about these movies, you know. God, God rest his soul. I, but I, I don't think we're talking about these movies today. If, and frankly, if any of those actors had played the role, I mean, I think this required such a balance of of comedy and drama that, I mean, I, I you know, again, you hate to say, oh, you know, no one else could do it, but like, I think Alan was really meant for this role. Like, this is. This is his signature role. You you said it best at the start. This is what he's going to be remembered for. Um, and yet, even, I do like, too, even when he becomes Santa at the end and he has adopted that regalness to him, he, the last bit of the movie still makes me laugh. He's still your typical, the divorced dad, the divorced husband, when Laura agrees to uh. let Charlie go for a ride, and she's like, not over any ocean, Scott, and he ignores her, and she's like, "Scott, <laughs> Santa." <laughs> I love it. Again, another great moment. You know, it sort of shows he's still Scott, even, <laughs> yep. even, even with it all. Like he still has that level of his personality, which you know, again, we can certainly get into the to the other ones if, if you want, but um, that, well, that's is... something that I think was lost in the later films, uh, kind of that. I would balance. say post two. Yeah, that's fair. So, that's fair. So I really like two as a movie, and there's a lot I really like in two. I think they do a good job keeping the that same magic about two in certain ways, specifically when it comes to Scott. Like, um, I love even as full on Tim Allen in the real world, that girl oh, who right. comes up to him knowing just instinctually he's Santa. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest scenes in the whole franchise is the staff party. And he goes behind the stage. Oh, yeah, that's right. And yep. uses his magic bag to give them all their favorite childhood toys, and he just lights. I love that scene. Yeah, that's a great scene. That's a great. That's right out of the first film. Yep. Yep. That's a perfect scene. Um, I also wanted to comment. Sorry if I'm yeah, rambling. No, no, here. no. Again, this is. I mean, the floor is yours, my friend. <laughs> this is your movie. I think one of the great things this movie did that I don't. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but thinking on other movies where we see the North Pole and everything, they made all the elves children. And they made them look eternally young. Like, they're played by children. They're hundreds of years old, but they're played by children. And I love that. And for some reason, it works 20 times better for me in this movie than any of the sequels, 
are TV shows. And I think it's because you don't, like you said, you see just enough of the North yeah. Pole. You're not focused on the North Pole. Less is more. I mean, I am a big believer in that in any, I mean, any story, but certainly in, in these kind of movies, because you can overindulge in the fantasy. And, you know, I mean, you know, not, you know, saying you have to always have like that quote unquote believability factor because it's fantasy after all. But again, I think this film does it in such a way that. I mean, you you just buy it from the first frame. Whereas, I mean, the other ones are, I mean, they're 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 whimsical and they're they're imaginative, but there's they're more know, childlike. Almost. Yeah, that it, it. I'll use the word Disneyfied. I mean, again, yes. the first film is a Disney movie, but like there's a there's a Disney esque quality to the later films that isn't as apparent in the first film. And I think again, that's that's to the movie's strength. I think it's. You know, it, it straddles that line between being, you know, a Disney movie and, and then, you know, being something else entirely. And I think a lot of that is, you know, the less is more. And again, I mm -hmm. think for me, I, I like how much of the film takes place back in the real world. It, it's it, yeah. you know, it's about this this guy's journey. I mean, like I said, it's as much a family drama, you know, as a you know father and son reconnecting as it is a, a Christmas movie. I mean, it's, it's, it, it works on so many different levels. And, and in terms of family drama, it's not even just, just about the father and son connecting it so much as now this broken family has yeah. to learn to coexist because at the know. end, he even does accept Neil, like you, mm -hmm. me, your mom, Neil. Yep. And I love, I love that about it. Um, it doesn't, so it doesn't speak down to its audience, if that no. makes any sense. Like it really, it it takes it seriously and, and it treats everybody like adults. I mean, if that makes any sense. And to your point, I think you made the perfect comparison earlier in my mind, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, bingo. Um, where they don't get back together at the end, even though Chris, uh, I think Chris Columbus did say in an interview, like he said, a lesser script would have put them back together in the end or hinted at it. They said that's why he shot the ending the way. They're never in the same frame together again, even when they reconcile, because he wants to show they're Bingo. not going to get back together. Oh, no. And I think this is another case of a, a lesser script. You could have made Neil the villain. I mean, I think if you were to make the Santa Claus today, you know, Neil would be the the evil stepdad type character. You know, like I, it would just mm -hmm. it would it, it would have a less effect, I think, yeah. is what I would say. And I think that's. I mean, that's something why I, I cherish about these sort of you know, older movies. I mean, I sound like I'm you know, dating ourselves here, but it's like, I mean, th there's something timeless about these these films that we don't necessarily get with today's movies. I mean, not you know, saying that's across the board, but mm -hmm. you know, it's something I really hold dear about this kind of a film. It really is you know, of a time where like everything was taken kind of with a seriousness and but also like you know th th there's a playful like quality that's like it it's built into the story and, and there for a purpose you know where it's like again you know not to like you know pick on the other films but it's like it's just like oh let's just do crazy stuff for the sake of crazy stuff like okay we get a bigger budget like you know Which... let's have robot santa or something you know well again the se the second one i really like a lot all the stuff with him and carol yeah, like all that stuff, stuff with him in the human world, but the stuff of the North Pole with the toy soldiers and Santa, too, like it's too much. 
It's yeah. Disney. It's Disneyfied for me. Disneyfied. Perfect. Um, and the third one. Let's not that movie would have that, that film. That movie would have been so much better if ninety percent of that movie was the "It's a Wonderful Life" alternate reality with him having to fix everything, rather than eighty minutes of him just getting in fights with his in laws and then ten minutes in an alternate reality. I tell you, I mean, like you know, not to be like you know, get on like that that bandwagon of like, oh, the the, the trailer misled me. When it I saw led. that film, I thought, okay, we're going to be seeing the alternate reality of what happens if he did become Santa. And so, like, yeah. you know, sitting there, you know, clock watching, you know, 60 minutes in, he's still, he's not back in another reality yet. Like, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, it was a letdown. I mean, that's, I, I'm not saying that would have saved the film. I mean, there's a lot of problems with it, I think. But yeah, I, I don't know what was going on there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I do want to say, if, to go back to the original, and I again, I no apologize. Again, no, again, it's it's a wonderful film. So we talked about all the mini arcs in this film. One of the mini arcs I do like, and it, it only gets a few scenes, uh, is Scott and Comet learning to love oh, one another. Yeah, yeah, like I love the end, like when he's taking off for his flight. And Comet gives him the card with the rope. Yeah. And Santa, and Scott's like, from Comet to Santa, did you make the card? Is this in case I fall off the roof? And Comet nods and is like, thanks, buddy. It means a lot to me. Loved that. It's a wonderful payoff. And, um, oh, so, and I posted this on Twitter earlier, at X earlier, actually. Um, because of this movie, ZZ Top's Give Me All Your Lovin' is on my Christmas list because of that montage in this film. <laughs> yeah, that's such a wonderful scene. I, I, again, I could see like today something like that being cut out because of people are like, oh, what, why do we need this? Like, you know, I think of like Greta Gerwig's whole battle to save the, the Ken scene in, mm-hmm. in Barbie. Like, no, like you need moments like this. Like, I mean, like, does it add anything to the necessarily to the overall story? Probably not. But like, it's well, just see, such a wonderful like. It gets you pumped. I, up. Like, yeah, like I'm like, yeah, let, <laughs> let's let's go deliver some toys. I think this one actually was needed because it shows him getting ready for his first official Christmas Eve, and it's juxtaposed with back home. Yeah, like cops are arresting every Santa <laughs> they can find. <laughs> Which I love. I love everything with the cops. <laughs> like I pulling over the random Santas. Yeah. This is even my suit. It's a rental. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, and when and it's become a trope in Santa movies where Santa gets arrested for some reason. Like so many movies have Santa yeah, getting arrested. This seems to be the one that started it. I mean, yeah. But I love I love the scene where he's being interrogated and he's like name. Chris Kringle. Another great name. Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) And he just starts rambling, like listing them all. (laughs) I love that. That's another great scene. That's, I mean, I like there are so many iconic moments in this film. Like it's like we said at the start, it's no wonder this film became an instant classic. There's just so many moments. Like again, like, delivering toys the first time to like again you know the payoff at the end with the, with the little girl i mean just some of the great lines with you know with neil i mean i i love their banter throughout the film like you know like early on like you know you've got bigger problems to worry about like you know where are you going to get another sweater when the circus pulls out of town like it just 
I just love the moments. Oh, like again, you appreciate so, the older you get. It's like, oh, this is just it's, it's so really quick. sharply funny. Yeah. Like, like when Laura, Laura's like, oh, we're spending Christmas with the Neil's family. He's like, oh, Christmas at the pound. And he starts making the cat and dog noises. <laughs> and then just moments I, like that. Yeah. Like one moment, like as a four-year-old, five-year-old, however old I was when I first saw this. It would go over your head. Like, I don't know what a cat scan is, but I love the moment <laughs> when he finishes his first night. He's like, Merry Christmas, champ. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. When I wake up, I'm getting a cat scan. <laughs> great moment. It's a freaking great moment. Yeah, I just... mean, like, like I said, so many quotable lines and just moments that just stand out, you know, what, nearly 30 years later i mean it's it's amazing the impact this film has had i mean just again it, it's a christmas staple i mean i don't know what else to say it's it's a christmas staple it is a christmas staple like you said when you introduced me this is not one only one of my favorite christmas movies it's one of my favorite movies ever but uh yeah i mean it's a perfect movie to watch on christmas eve when uh with the family before all the young relatives go to bed and wait for santa and I think it's a testament. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these films, this film, Elf, like all these movies, they all feature adults who don't believe in Santa, right? And it's a testament to how well written and entertaining these films are that kids don't even question it. Like, why wouldn't anyone believe in Santa? Well, not believe in Santa. Like, you just don't even think about it because they're so entertaining and magical. That's the thing. Like. I, I probably mentioned it at the start, but it, it knows what it's doing. Like this movie is, it, it's there in many ways to be a, a straightforward Christmas movie. Like, I mean, you could almost like imagine like the thought bubbles or, or thought clouds, like, you know, instant, you know, Christmas classic incoming. Like it, it just, it has all of the, the right tropes and, and, and staples. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect, you know, Christmas cocktail, if you will. I mean, it just, it hits all of the notes that you want in a movie. And I mean, you said it best. You don't think about it. Like, I mean, as a kid, like I know I never paid one bit attention to like, okay, why you know, the adults don't believe in Santa. Like, oh, okay. They're not yeah. with the program. Like it is yeah, just like, exactly. you, know, you just you carry on. <laughs> um, and again, the writing. So I love that they made Judy the name of the waitress at oh, Denny's yes. as well to add that confusion for him. Like, wait, was this a dream? Like, Judy was the, near the waitress. Yeah. And I love that scene with the doctor where Jingle Bells is his heartbeat and just so good. All of it. All of it. Yeah, oh. Like, the scene in his, the board meeting where, like, you know, he comes in in the, in the sweatsuit and then, like, <laughs> they're all ordering lunch and, like, you know, I'll have my salad, you know, dressing on the sides. Like, you know, he lists off, like, you know, 10 things, you know, hot fudge sundae, extra, <laughs> extra hot, hot fudge, fudge. <laughs> you know, ice cold milk. <laughs> And then I love when he gets so offended by the presentation, like, you know, yes. she looks younger and sparkler. And Santa is driving a total tank. No, absolutely not. Santa's not going anywhere without his reindeer. Well, I hope the kids were good. Kids were good because Santa just took out little Charlie's house down the street. I was always rewinding that scene when I was <laughs> like, it was just, it was just his <laughs> delivery and just like the whole banter i was like it's just uh it just it, it was it was the sweet spot as a kid it's like oh my god this is so freaking funny it's the whole movie there's not 
a boring or unneeded scene in the movie. Yeah, I mean, I will tell you, as a kid, the the scene where Charlie's on his uh, on his bed and he sort of like made a makeshift sleigh and reindeer. I mean, I was doing that as a kid. When oh, I, saw me too. I mean, so like, I mean, I was like recreating that whole sequence and like inspired me. Okay, I'm going to make my own, you know, Santa bed and whatnot. <laughs> like, it was just like, it, it's, it was such a movie that like inspired a child's imagination. And like, you know, again, even as you, as you get older, like, it's just, there's such a warmth and, and, and wonder to it. I mean, it's, it's like looking into a snow globe. You can't help but just have that, that innocence oh. again. And speaking of the snow globe, I love the snow globe in this film. Oh, it's a wonderful touch. Um, and I don't want to talk about set design one more time. I loved Santa's bedroom with the big sleigh bed oh, and yeah. the stair, the little lower area with the stairs and uh, Punch the and Judy yeah. when he dro- when he drops his pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, a great scene. And Judy the Elf is great. That whole conversation they have about how seeing isn't believing, believing is seeing, that's great conversation. That has so many different levels as you grow up. Oh, seriously. I mean, again, you talk about a, a, you know, a line you can apply in modern day. I mean, and I feel like that line, you know, you talk about influencing you know, Christmas movie culture. It feels like that line or a variation on that line has been you know, resurfaced and recycled and countless christmas movies and specials over the years i mean i always feel like even on a greeting card like there's mm-hmm. some version of that line and it's like you know it, it just ties so much back to that movie well i mean when you think about it i mean that's really that sentiment really is the quote-unquote meaning of christmas right that's like it. even when you when you apply it to like the faith side of christmas i mean that all line there. yeah all there yeah no i mean it and it it, it sums up christmas it sums up the whole point of the movie it sums up you know the meaning of santa claus I mean, it, it's a again we, we we mentioned it but i mean this this script i mean it, it's it really is a work of art i mean just that like i said i you know certainly i i cherish moments in the second one and i mean the third film is is interesting in its own right and you know the disney plus show i think has found more hits than than probably the other two films but I, I tell you man there's just something about this first film it like they were firing on all cylinders and you know i mean it, we sort of have touched on it but i mean eric lloyd as as charlie i mean that's a role where you get the wrong actor in there and it's like okay get the annoying brad off the screen well it's about to say not only not only is he a fantastic actor for his age but he was just the cutest kid which is yeah. really what you need for a christmas movie like look at home alone macaulay culkin is not the greatest actor but his cuteness sells it that works. movie no yeah. again it's all about the kid yeah mm-hmm. no i i was just thinking about the other day like any other you know young actor i mean again it's a, it's a tough role and you know you could it could go so wrong so quickly. Like if you get just a, a bratty kid or, you know, someone who just can't again, find that, that balance. I mean, it's a major props to him at, you know, however old, you know, how old he was, you know, eight, nine years old or something. I mean, it's a, it's a hell of a performance for, you know, what was a child actor at the time. Yeah. A hundred percent. And like you said, I think the, sequels and the series don't work as well because they moved away from the father-son dynamic 
I mean, there was some good father-son stuff in the second one about Charlie acting up because he has this big secret and Scott's never around. All that stuff was great. But, uh, yeah. There's, yeah, there's too much time lost between one and two, I think, mm-hmm. where, I mean, in many ways, I, it's amazing they didn't make the sequel right out of the gate because it seems Given like, how successful this yeah, one was, you yeah. you have done a lot of stuff with it, but... Yeah, that's my my big issue with with really where the series went is it, it is it loses that that focus. I mean, I mean, you know, we can certainly get into the Disney Plus show, but like you know, when when Charlie kind of like you know turned down the the offer to like you know take over the family business, I'm like, no, no, no you, you literally to... said that in the first <laughs> film. I'm like, I was like shaking at my head at the screen, like, no, 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 you <laughs> wanted to go in the family business. <laughs> <laughs> you you rebuffed Neil. You weren't going to be a psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, yeah. What yeah, are your thoughts I, on the Disney Plus show? Um, so I'm a few episodes behind on the new season, but I loved the first season. I think, though, the first season was intended as a miniseries and they were going to pass it on to Cal Penn, but then they realized how well it was going to be received and they decided to keep it open-ended. Yeah. That's my theory. I, I uh, think that's a fair working theory. I mean, I, look, you know, I get the whole point of, of this series has been like the succession of, of Santa, but it's like succession for kids. Yeah. I, I never, <laughs> <laughs> I, I never quite bought, you know, we're going to bring back Tim Allen just to see him retire. Like, I, I just like, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that. Like, I mean, he, it's, it's the Santa Claus and it's like, you know, for, for better or for worse, like you know, he is associated with, with the franchise. So my biggest problem actually with the series, I, and I know it skews younger or whatever, oh, but yeah. it's actually the set design and the costume. He looks like plastic oh, Santa with that beard. Thank you for mentioning that because we, we touched on it earlier. The best look is still the first film, just the beard, everything, the suit. Um, I think it's the same suit in the second and, and third ones, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But again, just the look they did in that first one, is it's still the best i think but no you like the way his beard looks in the series like it's it's like the you know the, plastic the, the, yeah it's like come on like what, what what's going on here like and like here's the thing too like it's a disney show we know disney has some money we I see know. what they do with some of their marvel and star wars shows like pump some extra money into this i know like again it's like it's just like diminishing but, quality of everything but even the set, the set design. So my favorite scene from the original, as I mentioned, was when the sleigh comes down. Yep. Now they recreate that in the series, but it's like the room is twenty times tinier. Yeah, like, it's like a little, a little sound stage. I mean, yeah, like, I, I, I know. It, I, I imagine the budget is bigger than what it was for the first film. You know, just mm-hmm. based on yeah, the way I, things are today, and it's amazing what they again what they were able to do with what is largely practical effects in that first film. It's not like there's any you know real CGI going on there or blue screens. Like that's all for real. And like I know it, it just again use that word disnified in a way. And it's just it's lacking that magic that was 
so apparent i mean even in the second and third films which you know again i have my issues with like the look and whatnot but it still had that so, wonder quality to it but before i forget because i have more comments to make about the series no, go right back ahead. to the first room first film for a second i forgot to mention one of my favorite parts so the whole let's go scene where the reindeer take off and everything i love when they pull up besides the sleepy truck driver on the road and he has to do the double take and they pull up right next to him and tim allen's just casually like so if we take i-95 and turn <laughs> <That's crazy. laughs> oh, again like man. so much of the humor in that first one i mean just to stay on it for a minute like it just comes from just like you know the fish out of water story i mean it, and i just love it like when he's chasing after the fedex trucks after they drop off the letters like come on guys <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, and how iconic is that one scene nowadays? It's it's the gift, the scene you think of in the movie when he shaves and then the oh, beard just grows back immediately. That's that that is the money shot probably of the whole movie, right? Of, of the like, whole series. I'm, I'm in, in big, big trouble. trouble. Yeah, I love that scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, the series. So, oh, I hate the CGI reindeer. And I hate that you hear them talk. Uh, like, it's fair uh, enough if the girl can talk to them, but do it more in the C3PO-R2D2 way. We don't have to hear them. She can understand no. them. Um, that that did it for, that really did it in for me in the second one once they start, like, I don't know if they were really talking as much in the second one, but there was much more of, like, a, again, there's that word again, Disney-fied quality to it. Also, yeah, speaking of the reindeer, the lack of comment when he was such an integral part of Scott's life in the first three. Um, they don't even make mention of him. But uh, yeah, so the elves they do have, I really like Betty and Noel. I like their characters. Yeah. Like I said, I think the girl who plays Betty is probably the standout in the series. She's great. Um, the closest to Bernard, like you said. Yeah. Kind of that throwback. I, I love her, like... And Noel's funny because they're married and they're just completely opposite. And I love that. I think that's a funny dynamic. Um, and yeah, the other main elves they have in that series, like the elves work for me. Their costumes look nice. I don't like Scott's kids. <laughs> I would have been happier if he didn't have kids with Carol or, or you know, well, we know he had one in yeah, the, third the third one, but I would have been happier if it was just him and Carol and the kids were off in college somewhere down in the mortal world or whatever. Yeah, see, that's again where, I've mentioned it before, I feel like we're like just straying so far from the original intent. Like it's, okay, now Santa and his second family. Like, I mean, it's just... And not even a mention of Laura and Neil. Well, no, that's the thing. Like, I mean... I, they don't have to show up, but just a passing nod or a, like they were but so like the integral. Point... Like you know, like the whole point was this this you know broken family you know coming as as one, and it's like you know by the end of it, it's like you know you know Laura Neil who like I mean like it just sort yeah. of it, it's almost like the the Disney Plus show was sort of just taking the best hits of the first three and mm-hmm. just running with it that way. I mean. Yeah, it's a it's a continuation, but it to me it almost feels more just like a in in name only kind of a. It thing. almost feels like a reboot. Almost, that's a better way to say it. Yes, yes. Um, 
But I, I enjoy it for what it is. I'm happy to get more Tim Allen S. Oh yeah, no. Again, he, he, I mean, even though I still think the first is the best, like he does put his heart and soul into the performance. Like you can tell the guy loves playing this part. And he, uh, yeah. And I mean, like he for us. I mean, we're around the same age, right? We are the same age, around yeah. the same age, but he was Santa to us growing up and like to see him back in the suit, like it brings you back to childhood for it a does. minute. No, it does. And he and he said in an interview, the first time he walked on set in the first season and the full Santa regalia, he saw a lot of the crew hush up and some get tears in their eyes. Cause so many of the crew were kids when the first one came out and this was seeing their Santa back come in out. action. Yeah. yeah. So I, so I'm sure, I mean, like, I appreciate, like, that he can still be Santa for a new generation. And that's the thing I remember when I'm watching the show. And that gives me more enjoyment. Like, this is not for me. This is for right. the next generation. Yep. And uh, this is just, like, bonus content for me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a little, a little uh, extra. What do you think in general, not just the TV show, but, like, two and three as well? What do you think of um, Carol as Mrs. Claus? Do you like her character? I do, I like her the best in the second film. Uh, again, I I almost feel like from the third on, she's almost doing a an impersonation of herself in a way, or or a a caricature of Mrs. Claus. Hmm. I I really felt the second film. I mean, you mentioned their stuff is the strongest part of that story, and. You know, again, it's sort of a condensed version of what Scott went through in the first film. But you do get to see kind of an interesting arc where she goes from the strict no-nonsense principle uh, into, you know, rediscovering, you know, sort of the, you know, her lost youth, if you will, and the innocence of of childhood. and it, Which was very reminiscent of Rankin Bass's Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Of Jessica, bingo. I was, yep, I was the teacher yep. who became Mrs. Claus. Yeah, it was a nice, I thought, I mean, there had to have been some... Some well, even the doll, there. her toy was the doll. Exactly. That's why he gave her in this, her in the special. Yeah. No way that was coincidental. There's no yeah. way. But no, I, I think that was her best um, take on the character. I mean, not to say that, you know, the other versions are, are you know, bad or anyway, but I just think, again, there's that that balance that, you know, is so critical to these kind of films, at least for me in, in terms of having that you know, sort of quote unquote believability. And like I said, I, I think it just sort of strayed the further we got from, you know, you know, not that these films had to be like, you know, uber serious, but like, you know, sort of less. Wait, you're saying you don't want Zack Snyder's Santa Claus? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. No comment. <laughs> I can only imagine his movie would have been like, the story of like Saint Nicholas back in like the 1500s, like in the Middle Ages, like slaying people. Oh no, it became be, I'm sure it'd be very you know over the top and you know, just, uh, <laughs> you know an interesting an interesting take on the legend of of jolly old Saint <laughs> Nick. You know, probably wouldn't be talking about it today. Um, no, um, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, I, I I wouldn't say you know I have any you know, other notes per se. Like I, I'm glad they went that route uh you know in finding a um a mrs claus versus like you know again 
the easy way would have been from the start to have been, you know, make Neil out to be, you know, the bad guy and and play that out for what it's worth. And, oh, mm-hmm. you know, Scott and Laura get back together. Like that, there'd have been no payoff with that. Right. Like, it was nice, um, uh, a, a nice arc uh, in that second film. Oh, man. But yeah, no, like the Santa Claus perfection to this day. And I cannot wait, like one day, if I have children, when we have children, I can't wait to just sit down and, and, and show it to them. It. Yep. No, it, it's it it's a timeless Christmas classic. And I'm so delighted. I mean, like I said, you know, for all the shit I give the Disney Plus show and whatnot, I'm glad that it exists because it just, it reinforces its, place as a christmas staple and i mean i mean not to say that you know people forget about the santa claus but it just sort of you know, it builds up the lore if you will and you know it sort of is interesting well, with all well, the movies that we have it's it's still amazing to me that we've never had a series of santa claus related films outside of this series like it, you well, know what I mean? like, exactly like i um yeah, so like I thought Santa Claus is a movie. I'm surprised it never got a sequel. Uh Violent Night is supposedly it's gonna get a sequel. Yeah, that, that um, is in the work, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. It is bizarre that this is the only one to this point. And um, you know, our friend Matt Spaulding on I was talking to him at one point, he was like and he made a good point, like, if you wanna know how iconic this movie and this Santa is, like not only has it had a whole film series, it's just, he's getting his own TV show. Like, yeah. I mean, like I said, it stands to reason why so many people in our generation and, and frankly, younger generations see Tim Allen as sort of the definitive movie Santa Claus. Because, I mean, he's been dominating the scene for almost 30 years i mean like name any other actor in 30 years i mean yes david harbour i think you know has potential if if they are to spin this out uh beyond violent night too but like i I mean you know tim allen has created quite a legacy and and frankly a following as as a movie santa claus i mean you know people people know it (laughs) Yeah, and he's 70 years old. Like, another five years, he won't even need the makeup anymore. No, I mean, grow the beard. <laughs> grow the beard out for you. Forget the spirit gum and all that. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, I, I just, I love this film. Uh, and, and I certainly, uh, I know, I, I, I know you do. And that's you know, probably an understatement. <laughs> Well, uh, well, I said it for when we co- when I, you had me on the show for Halloween to cover Halloween, um, how Michael Myers would long outlast all of us. The Boogeyman won't die. This iteration of Santa and this film will outlast both of us. Like it takes something special to become a Christmas classic, uh, like Rankin Bass, for example, surviving all these years. Um, a Christmas story will, Elf will, but this will be among the greats on the shelf uh, long after we're gone, I think. I, I co-sign that, and, and that's I mean, that's a perfect way to put a bow on on this. Unless you have anything further, I, that was a perfect way to, to end this I, whole segment. I have nothing further except to say, uh, if you've never watched it, A, have you been living under a rock? But B, <laughs> do so. And uh, if you haven't watched it, in years since you were a child or anything give it a go i think you'll appreciate it even more as an adult it's a staple for me at least once a year and i mean the amount of times it's on 
TV, you can't help but stumble into it. And and it's one of those films, you know, especially around this time of year, I will stop what I'm doing and 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 watch it from whatever point it's on, or even you know just have it on in the background. It, it's a uh, I, I can't go the Christmas season without watching it from beginning to end at least once, and then of course seeing it multiple times throughout the month. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And uh, I like that Freeform finally got the rights back to the second one because for so many years it went from one to three, but now they show all three. Yeah, which is perfect. Yep. Show the trilogy. (laughs) Flawed as it may be, show the trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, On that note, before we we go to our sort of our our ranking segment, because we you know we are at this uh, this time of year and 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 Christmas movies are uh, are playing nonstop or or certainly when this episode drops they will be playing uh, nonstop. Uh, in addition to this film, because I mean I know what a special place this movie has for you. Is there another Christmas film that you would you would consider a a a must watch a a must uh, see and you know it doesn't even necessarily have to be a, a recognizable you know staple just you know a film that you always you know you go to this time of year and would recommend uh, for people to check out i have, I have a few if i may yeah go um, right ahead i doubt any of them will be a surprise i think a lot of them are in everybody's must watch most people's most watches and that just goes to show how great they are um a christmas story classic uh national lampoon's christmas vacation another classic um elf i think has become a modern classic three in a row (laughs) um the first two home alones oh yeah and that's all the home alones and that yeah that is all the home alones 100 percent and then uh, if I want to throw in a modern, so I I will watch Krampus every year. I Ooh. think that movie. Oh, that's a good. That's a good one. Is I think a lot of people wrote that movie off or write that movie off and won't give it a chance because they assume it's just scary. But that movie has a lot of heart and whimsy to it, and I would urge everyone to check that movie out. I believe there's a sequel in the works. I read that today. Yeah. Oh. Um. In terms, so okay. I'll give you a controversial movie opinion. Go right ahead. So he, a movie that so many people adore and love that I just, it's fine if I don't watch it every year. There's no skin off my back. A Muppet Christmas Carol. And I love the Muppets, but. Thank you for saying that because I will co-sign that. <laughs> If you want to talk about an overrated, and I'm sorry if, if anyone out there listening loves this movie, you know, unplug right now because I'm going to be going unfiltered. <laughs> that is an overrated Christmas film, a special. I mean, I love Michael Caine, but it just, I don't get what the fuss is. I really don't. I can go watch the Disney version the Jim Carrey Which is underrated, version. underrated. Yep. I love that movie. I, I um, can put on George C. Scott. Like I can go watch Scrooge. There are many other versions. I do not know what makes that somehow a celebrated version. It's the Muppets doing a Christmas Carol. I mean, and and again, <laughs> I am a huge fan of the Muppets. Oh, yeah, I love the Muppets. Oh, the yeah. Muppets. The Muppets oh, yeah. bring me so much joy. Oh, the classic. Yeah. 
And I love musicals and I love Michael Caine. So by all intents and purposes, this film should work for me, but I it does not hit. And I don't know why. I've tried you. It, it, all no, the time, but there's just ah, I agree with you. It is not I, I don't understand what the fuss is about. I really don't. I've never been able to understand it. Michael Caine should have played Scrooge in a, in a better Christmas Carol adaptation. Uh, that is yes. that film is a, a detriment to an otherwise, uh, you know, great performance. Because I mean, he is good in it. I mean, he's he's he I mean, he's he good in anything. He well, like he he you know can say no lines in a movie and he's great. Uh, but no, I I'm with you with that a hundred percent. I'll tell you, my favorite version of Christmas Carol came out last year, and that's Spirited. I thought that was such a unique, Real? fresh okay. take. Oh, I nice. love that movie. Oh, that's very but, nice. But yeah, if you're asking, like, if I was on a desert island, what Christmas movies would I have? Yeah. Santa Claus, Elf, both Home Alones, A Christmas Story, and Christmas Vacation. I mean, I will not disagree with any of those. Those are and they're Jim Carrey's The Grinch. I know a lot of people uh, and, have issues with that, but you I know, really like that it's, film. It's a classic. You know, it, <laughs> I, that has... That's another one I think it has become a classic. You know, I mean, it certainly it it wore me down over the years as after seeing it, you know, on, <laughs> on uh, you know, twenty five days of Christmas ad nauseum. So I mean, I, I'm I'm a, I'm a believer. So is is there any that I missed that you are much must watch every year for you? Oh, so a must watch, uh, definitely Jingle All the Way. Love that film. Uh, Love Arnold Schwarzenegger in that one. It, it's that's uh, a guilty it, pleasure. I like it, that one. It's great. I, I I I can't go the Christmas season without watching that. Um, I have to watch uh, George C. Scott's version of A Christmas Carol. I I think he is the best. Uh, does the best portrayal of Scrooge of, uh, of anybody. I think it's a, uh, you know, it, it it's you know at points the effects are a little you know dated. I mean, it was like the early eighties, but it, it's I still like... I think the best adaptation of the of the story. I I just love it. I like his version a lot, but my favorite Scrooge is probably still Alistair Sims. Oh, he's good. No, you, I, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong yep. with him. No, he's 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 classic. Um, another film that I would I, is a must watch, and I would certainly take to uh, to Christmas Island with me uh, is Batman Returns. Um, uh, without yes. question, that that is a Christmas movie. Everybody, if Die Hard can be a Christmas movie, Batman Returns is a Christmas movie, and I would argue it's much more of a Christmas movie than uh, than even Die Hard. I mean, Die Hard, yeah, I agree. Christmas Eve, but you know, Batman Returns, you, you, you watch that, and yeah, it's it's comic book film, yeah, it's superhero film, but. There's a in lot your... of Christmas trappings in that film. That is a a silent night with a capital K. <laughs> in your year end review, are you going to amend this list to include Merry Little Batman? That's the question. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we shall see. We shall see. What, <laughs> we will we will reserve judgment on that film until I have seen it, and I will get back to you. <laughs> have you, you Have you watched Dashing Through the Snow on Disney Plus yet? I like have ludicrous. not. No. I have not. I, I saw your reaction on Twitter, and that probably says a you know a reason why I may put that on the. I'll get to it when I get to it list. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You want to talk about everything the Santa Claus did right in terms of a father and child story, and Dashing Through the Snow does the complete opposite. I mean, Santa's a third person in this story. He's not the father, but I mean, the Santa is. I see. Oh, yeah, I, I'd be curious to hear what you and your listeners think, because uh, 
not my company. Uh, I watch it once, and I will. Yeah, you're... until we cover it on our pod, tis a podcast. I will never watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that on that note, are there any uh, any movies that you guys are uh, covering this year? You know, feel free to uh, drop any plugs uh, for your show, of course. So our end of the year is usually very stacked for obvious reasons. Uh, that's when we try to cover all the newer releases. So, uh, um, when does this drop? The first? This will be December 1st, yeah. So we would have just covered Hannah Waddingham's Home for Christmas okay. and Disney Plus's The Naughty Nine. Uh, we're covering Candy Cane Lane, Merry Little Batman. I'm intrigued uh, by that Candy Cane Lane, by the way. I think it looks interesting. Yeah, the poster was uh, a little weird, but... I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was a choice. Recovering the Santa Clauses season two. Nice. Um, Genie with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, the holdovers when it hits digital, which I'm excited to do. Uh, oh, I, I still need to see that. And Journey to Bethlehem when that hits digital, which I would like to plug. I'm not like a super religious person or really like the religious movies or anything, but I do like the Christmas story. I just think it's a good story. Um, And I'm not a fan of many of the nativity movies out there, but this one was just fun. It was like a fun musical that didn't take itself seriously. I mean, they had serious moments, but it didn't take, they had fun moments. And that's why I want to say, like, I don't care if you're uh the president, a dictator out there, whoever, you know, life is not just serious all the time, right? You have fun in it. And that's what this movie did. Like they didn't, okay. you know, make these people humorless, like gods, you know? <laughs> right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I was curious about that. If it was more of a straightforward adaptation or if they took some uh, creative liberties. Well, the title card right at the beginning says, uh, we wanted to do our best to tell the greatest story that was ever told. And then dot dot dot. We took a few liberties. Fair enough. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun though. The music is actually really fun. Like some of the songs are just like legitimately funny. So I recommend it to people, even if you're not like religious or anything. So well, there we go. Well, I mean, certainly everyone, uh, you can take Anthony's uh, seal of approval when it comes to uh, to film recommendations, particularly when it comes to this time of year. As I said, he is. <laughs> He is, for all intents and purposes, Mr. Christmas, and uh, I know he takes his stuff very seriously. And I, I will just say, I, you know, encourage you guys to to check out his uh his podcast and give it a listen because it is a great time. And uh, I, I always feel like I I learn something about any particular uh movie you guys are talking about, particularly as we're heading into the holiday season. You guys always seem to have a nice little factoid or, or behind the scenes <laughs> tidbit that I always appreciate as a movie buff. So. For that well, i thank thank you. you well we so this year you were supposed to come on for halloween kills and halloween kills just due to crazy schedule never actually happened we didn't even release anything the week of halloween so halloween kills we're going to do next halloween now so i'll be there gotta definitely get you on for that my friend i'll be there i'll be there I, I, I know to get you on for anything michael myers we literally just talk about you know you know the the, the lead up to the creation of halloween i'll be fine let's just be <laughs> Anything with Haddonfield, I'll be there. Just you know, <laughs> I don't have to say anything. Just listen, you know. 
offer a, a, a you know playful comment or something along the way but uh no no it, it, in all seriousness guys definitely check out this show because uh it is it's it's a great one and 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 again not just for uh christmas related movies or or holiday specials they they cover a wide array of uh different uh you know shows and movies but there is always that nice little spin uh, whenever they can uh, weave in a, a holiday tale and i i certainly appreciate that <laughs> yeah uh seven years into the podcast going year wow. eight next year we oh, are trying to uh you know find <laughs> rather than covering 52 weeks of like hallmark movies since they put off 52 a year we're <laughs> trying to find our uh you know, oh, Jurassic World actually takes part at Christmas. Let's cover that. Like, things like that. Oh, so. smart. Okay, very. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I imagine now you, you have probably all covered the the staples. Uh, well, it's funny because we <laughs> complain amongst ourselves all the time. We did those all, like, the first year we launched, not thinking we would still be doing this uh, seven, eight years on. And <laughs> otherwise, we would have, you know, spread them out Staggered for a few yeah. years, every December. But. Always time for a rewatch or a revisit. I mean, there's always an anniversary every time you, you turn around. The Santa so, Claus will be 30 years old next year. So there you go. So we are actually scheduled through Halloween of next year. And then we kind of leave November and December blank until all the new movies start coming out to see what we want to cover to be relevant. Nice. But we next year we're doing a bunch of themed months. So February is going to be Christmas romance. So oh. a lot of Hallmark movies. March is going to be TV month, so we're covering Christmas episodes of TV shows. Nice. For spring break in April, we're doing a bunch of, like, kid-oriented stuff, like, uh, you know, the bad guys have a holiday special coming out, for example. Okay. Uh, May, we're doing Christmas horror, which I'm excited about. June is going to be bad straight-to-VHS sequel month, so things like Jingle All the Way 2 and Christmas Vacation 2 and things like that. Uh, August is going to be Nicktoon month. Oh, nice, nice. And October, October is obviously Halloween month. But yeah, we have a lot of themed months next year. Nice. So, yeah, well, that's exciting. No, oh, definitely, uh, lots to look forward to. On that note, uh, before we we, I've been teasing the, the 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 final segment, but you've you've uh opened another door. Uh, and again, since you are Mr. Christmas, I feel it is appropriate to kind of pick your brain on the subject so uh uh everyone you'll you'll uh indulge me just a little bit uh longer before we get to the to the rankings but <laughs> um do you have a favorite tv christmas special in addition to say like the rankin bass or you know charlie brown i mean like something that you know maybe isn't on anybody's radar because i mean i certainly have one that is a must watch for me so when you say year. TV special? Do you it, mean like it, it could be one a, off, it, or could it, it be like an episode? It of could a be TV? a one off. It could be something in like a, you know again like the Hey Arnold Christmas special, um, you know, which is fantastic. Which that is one wonderful. Is That's a great one. Um, hmm. Okay, so I'll give you a few answers here. So okay, for Christmas one off specials, I actually really like the Prep and Landing series. Those are oh, yeah. modern classics to me. I really think those are clever. Um, one that I grew up with, I've seen to kind of disappear, but you can still get it streaming a lot of places. Is Olive the other reindeer? Oh, I remember that. Yep, with the dog who yeah, being, the dog she becomes... said Olive instead of Olive, so yeah, she travels to the North Pole. I remember that. 
Um, in terms of like TV episodes, I always watch the Office Christmas episodes. Those are classic. Yeah, those are good. Uh, the Holiday Armadillo. <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> I'm trying to think what else. There, Superstore, I loved. The Brady Bunch, the original one where Carol oh, loses, yeah, Brady loses her, her voice. voice. Yeah. Oh, classic. Yeah, I like Yeah, I like it. There are a lot of good Christmas specials, yeah. There really are, particularly, you know, you find, uh, think of a lot of sort of older TV shows, like even, you know, All in the Family, uh, Mm -hmm. certainly Friends or um, uh, The Office, like you mentioned. Uh, Two staples for me that, uh, without question, I have to watch every year. Um, The Rugrats, The Santa Experience. I, yep. I, that we're covering that up, this upcoming year. No, I grew up watching. I, I mean, that talk about a tape that I wore out. I loved that whole special. Uh, and I had it on VHS where it was like that one. And then it was like a, another one where they like, they think they're going to the North Pole or something. Um, but that's a staple. And then, uh, certainly, uh, fellow listeners who, uh, uh, appreciate the dark night, uh, and as well as listen to our, uh, DC Unlimited show, uh, a must-watch for me this time of year is uh, Batman the Animated Series Christmas with the Joker. With I, the Joker I, yeah. I think that truly is one of the great Christmas-related TV episodes of all time. Like, I mean, I would put that right up there with, with Charlie Brown. I, I just love... We did cover that last year. I love that one. Oh, it's a great episode. Great episode. And again, Batman the Joker at Christmas time, what's not to love? <laughs> So we're covering Rugrats Santa Experience next year. We're covering Hey Arnold's Christmas next year, which that one is incredibly deep. And oh moving. my God. Talk about, again, for a kid show. Mm-hmm. Uh, one that I really love, and I know this show, this Nicktoon premiere kind of at the cusp when we probably stopped watching Nickelodeon, maybe like the early, the SpongeBob Christmas, the very first one where they discover That's Christmas. a classic. That's a classic. Yep. Love it. And uh, the Fairly Odd Parents will round out the month. So Christmas. Every oh day yes, I remember that one. Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. yep. On Nicktoons, I also loved the Jimmy Neutron one. That was. I loved Jimmy Neutron. Yeah, there's yeah, so many. Jimmy Neutron was a great show. I I know that. I yeah. like. I want to get Doug on there eventually. Oh, that's another good one. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I'm going to sound like, you know, that person just sitting back in the rocking chair, but like, they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> they really do not. No, I mean, again, just that Hey Arnold episode. I mean, that is, like, that's Emmy Award winning stuff. They did, a, I mean, when you stop and think about it, a cartoon aimed at, what, kids who were like 10 and under. Yeah. Covered, what, the Vietnam War in this Christmas episode. That, incredible. It's amazing. I mean, I could never imagine that happening today. I mean, no, not at all. You know, I, I don't think they would have the fortitude or even just the creative power to be like, oh, let's <clears throat> let's tell a you know real sentimental story and tie it into a historical event. But uh, th- just so many classic ones. I mean, we could do a whole episode just on Christmas specials. Alone. I mean, I, I'm always available. Again, this is your time to shine, my friend. Um, um I do want to say, bring up two more Christmas specials yeah, go right just ahead. because we're on the topic. I saw, <laughs> so I hope your listeners are on board, but um, no. you, we brought up the Muppets earlier. I, I said, okay. I love, I love the Muppets. 
Um, do you remember 2015? They had the Office esque Muppet Show. It's just called the Muppets, but they had the oh, yeah, 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 vaguely, yeah. They had a Christmas episode called Single All the Way with Mindy Kaling and Okay, yep, okay, yep. I know it's what you're talking about. Just incredibly full of Christmas cheer and joy. And rec- highly recommend that one. And then if you want to talk old school Muppets, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street. Oh, okay. From okay. the 80s where Oscar oh, yeah. has Big yeah. Bird, there's no Santa. Why are you being such a child and waiting up? And it's that's another great one. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, I know I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, so many, so many timeless classics. Yep. Oh, oh, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Well, uh, that is that's a a, a a perfect point to end and move on to the uh, the ranking portion of this episode. Uh, as I teased everybody at the start, uh, let me know your your top five favorite. Uh, I I will say movie Santas, but we'll just say live action uh, Santa performances or or. Does it have to be live action? Again, it could be a a mixture, as uh, you will hear in a moment with my particular list. Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll include uh, specials, if you will, in this. Again, any any performance by an actor, whether uh, whether live action or or spoken, if you will. So, it kind of opens the door to to many possibilities. And uh, I was working on this list right up until honestly before uh before we started but uh i i think i've uh i think i've nailed it down for uh for the most part um i I will just start with the honorable mentions because i do have i have two people and then uh anthony you can start and give me your your number five and then we can go back and forth round round yeah if if you have honorable mentions you can uh do so uh after but uh uh one of these may be controversial so i'll uh i'll save it for last but an honorable <laughs> mention uh for me and again this is getting really obscure folks uh but is jose elias marino and he was the santa claus in the movie called santa claus and it came out in 1959 it was made in Mexico. It's often referred to as Santa Claus versus the devil. Um, up. I mean, the film itself is quite a trip. Um, and maybe on a, on a future episode down the road, uh, we will, I will revisit this episode, this movie with you because I mean, it is some weird shit. I'm going to put it, put it <laughs> that way. Some weird stuff going on here. I mean, it's a Christmas movie, but it's it's not a Christmas movie. It's 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 bizarre. Um, but the performance uh by by Jose and the version uh, that I saw it had a, it was dubbed with an American actor, and I, I I don't know who the actor uh was because I could not find his his credit uh online, but um you know the performance uh was uh uh, was by this actor, uh, Jose uh, Marino, and he was uh, very prominent in, in Mexican uh, cinema throughout the, the 40s, 50s, and into the 60s. But I always loved this performance as a kid. I mean, this was another one of those movies I would rewatch uh, around this time of year. And, you know, again, even though the movie is strange, 
just the look that this guy had in the film he was tall and imposing but he looked like santa claus and and for a long time like you know three four year old me thought oh they filmed santa claus he he came and took part <laughs> in this movie I mean, like it, it was that believable I mean, again just his performance with the the voiceover or the dub uh it, i don't know, it just it just screamed santa claus to me and and it has always <laughs> stuck out as a uh as a memorable take in an otherwise oddball uh oddball movie but uh he is an honorable mention uh uh certainly the other person and this this is where it may get a little controversial uh is edmund gwen uh he is an honorable mention now me too for uh, honorable uh, mention okay there we go so i'm not alone look the man won an oscar uh for miracle on 34th street i mean that says something he won an oscar for playing santa claus no one else has done that since i don't think anyone has ever been nominated uh, for an Oscar uh, to, after you know, playing Santa Claus, so you have to give Edmund his uh, his his due. But you know, this is a performance that you know I think of its time, it really was something special. But there are far better performances of of Santa Claus in the years that have have followed, and you know. I, could certainly get into this later on once we go into the list, but I never bought he was Santa Claus in that story. I always they, took it as he's just a, a nice, kind old man who's delusional. Mentally ill. Yeah, yeah. me too. But I me never too. bought that this guy is jolly old Saint Nick, you know, and again, mm -hmm. that's that movie, that interpretation. And again, maybe another actor could have done it differently, but I, I just never, I, I never got it. You know, again, it's it's still you know it's a fine performance and it's and it's award worthy, but it's there are far better Santa Clauses and and frankly, people that I think were you know could have easily been nominated and, and frankly could have won for their own uh, interpretation. But uh, I, I won't say any more on that. We can sort of get into the ranking in a, in in a bit. But uh, Anthony, any honorable mentions in, in addition to uh, Mr. Gwen? <laughs> Edmund Gwen was my one honorable mention. However, I do want to point something out about my list before we hop into it. Oh, yeah, go right ahead. So I know you said it encompasses all TV, oh, animated, yeah. live yep. action. So anyone who listens to this podcast knows, and this is mainly my doing when we set out to start the show, it is hard for me to judge something like Charlie Brown or The Grinch against like Elf or the Santa Claus. Uh, like I, that's like gun to head choice. Like Charlie Brown, you know, Elf. You know, like they're so they're, they're also different. classic and timeless. Yeah. So, I love Mickey Rooney Santa, but I stuck to movie Santas for that's fair. my list. That's fair. That's no. That's honestly, you know, you're you're following the rules of Phil with the movies better than I did. So you get major <laughs> props. <laughs> <laughs> I'm break I I feel like you know that scene in Santa Claus coming to town. You're like you know, sir, you're breaking your own law, and I'm you know, <laughs> I'm breaking rules all over the place. But um, no, that that's perfectly fine, man. Um, so if you'd like to start, give me uh, give me your number five. Sure. Um, so I'll preface this again by saying there are certain criteria the Santa needs to have for me. Oh, and sure. so you'll hear me talking a lot about this as we go through the list. Um, 
He has to be equally approachable, but also intimidating. He has to have an air of, you're kind of intimidating by him. The beard is important. He has to look natural. He has to look, it has to look real. The suit, his gadgets, for lack of a better word, all of that combined. Having said that, number five is a gentleman who recently became Santa Claus in the minds of people around the world. Um, he has a gray beard. He's definitely intimidating, and that is David Harbour from Violent Night, his version of Santa Claus. Um, what can you say about David Harbour? He's great. He looks great in the suit. I love his list and his bag and how the magic works there. Um, and I like the portrayal of a Santa who's kind of lost faith in the world and his whole arc of regaining faith via this little girl who truly believes in him. And at the end, we leave him in a much better place than where we saw him. And I'm excited to see where that goes in Violent Night too. Like a more uh, slightly warmer version of him. Um, but yeah, in terms of Santa performances, he is probably, in my opinion, one of the best in years we've gotten. So yeah, David Harbour. I, I will have more to say on Mr. Harbour. Uh, in a bit but i i certainly co-sign a lot of what you just said because i mean he's i mean he's a, he's a he's a, a new age santa and i would you know dare say you know a, a, a almost an instant classic uh in a way certainly he brings such a a following to the to the role i mean given i mean it's david harbour i mean whether you watch him on stranger things or uh you know even you know his turn as as hellboy i mean like you know, he he's he, he never does thing a about bad that role. movie. <laughs> Thank you. No, but he he never puts in a bad role. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's uh, and, he's great. And there's so much potential to see where he goes in a sequel. Like they've hinted at it in interviews. I want to see his North Pole. I, I, I want to see his Mrs. Claus. His yes. elves. I oh, want to yeah. see them all. No, because again, just by the way the sleigh is designed, like there's a there's like a medieval rustic. Like, oh uh, yeah, I want to see where this could go. No, I, I'm yep. with you on that. All right, so number five, as I uh, sort of teased up earlier, guys, uh, I've broken my own rules. So we're not necessarily talking about live action movie uh, Santas, but still a uh, a celebrated uh, Santa performance, nevertheless. And uh, this one sort of is a interesting one because you're you're partnering uh, uh, sort of animation in, in a way with uh, uh, with a voiceover performance, but uh, I mean, certainly one that is stood the test of time i believe uh and that is mickey rooney uh, uh voiced santa claus in countless rankin bass specials but uh you know for me i will always have a special place in my heart for santa claus is coming to town i think it is one of the best santa claus origin stories whether you know on, you know on the big screen or on the small screen i think it's a wonderful dramatic telling and and Rooney is fantastic. He climbs like a squirrel. He laughs like a seal. <laughs> well said. Well said. No, it's 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 so it's such an earnest performance, and you get to see him go through that that arc where you know the way he speaks is Chris, and then ultimately when he becomes truly becomes Santa Claus, it, it's a wonderful performance. And again, it just. Yeah, he 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 just screams Santa to me. Even though, again, it's just a voiceover performance. You know, it's like a lot of people will 
you know, certainly celebrate, you know, Kevin Conroy or, or Mark Hamill for their interpretations of Batman and the Joker in the animated series. You know, certainly Mickey Rooney, I would put in that same kind of iconic category as a as a legendary voiceover for a legendary character. Yeah, I fully agree. If I was combining animation uh, of TV with movies, Mickey, somebody would have to be bumped for Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Uh, he he <laughs> was the voice of Santa for my childhood. He just was. Um, and his Santa was a lot nicer than the jerky Santa and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yeah, can we just uh, sidebar <laughs> in that for a moment? I mean, honestly, I don't know why Rudolph is still working for that guy by the end of that movie. I mean, he should have said, okay... Put put a flashlight on your nose, you know, big boy, and go pull the sleigh yourself. Like, I mean, like you, literally instigating bullying, and like, I mean, he's not a jolly ever, Santa. If you if you haven't already, and I'm not a big fan of honest trailers in general, but their honest trailer for Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer is fantastic. Oh, yes. Um, but yeah, no, that Santa. <laughs> when he literally tells Donner he should be ashamed of I know. Like, I mean, again, you know, oh, he can't pull my sleigh. It's like, wow, discrimination at the North Pole. Like, what is this place? I mean, leave him on the island of misfit toys while you're <laughs> yeah. at it. You know, they'll all be happier. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, don't don't get me started on that one. <laughs> but yeah, Mickey Rooney's great. Um, all his turns of Santa is great. The year without a Santa Claus, Rudolph oh, yeah. and Frosty's Christmas in July, but oh. Like you said, Santa Claus coming to town is the pinnacle. Um, one of the best Santa origin stories. One that I could easily see be adapted with very little change into a live action movie one day. I'm amazed uh, it hasn't happened already. Honestly, with the way studios are mining. I'll give it time. <laughs> stretching for uh, connected universes. Rinker Bass is one of the originals. I'm surprised. Seriously, I know. Uh, tried adapting it. So shameless plug for Kiss the Podcast. A while ago on Patreon. We um we cover we did a special recasting ranking bass live action and nice making the move the specials fit more continuity into a connected universe. Um that was on Patreon, but it's since dropped in our main feed. Uh so check it out. Um but my choice for Santa and Santa Claus is going to town and Mrs. Claus were Christian Bale and Amy Adams. Wow. Oh, that's a tantalizing thought right there christian I mean, bale is santa claus they I, start I, out young muscular and then we already saw in vice how christian bale can oh, change yeah. his body and be a heavy older man I, like honestly if anyone could do it it's christian bale uh, <laughs> I, I i would be there to, to see that performance no, no, no doubt. <laughs> um but yeah no so my number four yeah go right ahead yeah my number four is uh, another classic Santa from the 90s. Um, somebody who took the role Edmund Gwynn originated with and ran with it and did it far better, in my opinion. And that is David Attenborough from Miracle on 34th Street. Um, to your point, Phil, the original Edmund Gwynn Santa, you thought was a crazy old man. This one you believed was Santa Claus by the end. Um, one of the most magical Christmas scenes in any Christmas movie, you could stack this scene up against any, and it would be hard pressed to top it, is when the little girl who doesn't speak, oh, yeah. she can only sign, yeah. and the mother says she doesn't talk, she doesn't want to see you, and he starts signing with her, 
and the joy on the little girl's face perfection like that scene always makes me you know gives my heart the flutters makes me well it's so sweet that's the magic of santa claus and he does it perfectly if memory serves me correctly i believe the the girl uh the 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 actress i believe she was deaf or is deaf in real life and i believe i read that um uh, richard attenborough learned to sign that whole sequence and her reaction was genuine that wasn't a scripted moment which again that just adds to his performance that just makes it even more special yeah um and that's amazing and it's and it is a scene that has been parodied a million oh, times I know. um seinfeld did it when kramer got the job as a mall center it's like santa speaks a bunch of languages and doichi 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 do um but yeah no and just the way he interacts with mara wilson oh yeah um and even the adult like it's i don't have enough good things to say about this guy he he'd be higher on the list if he his again this is the shallow like nitpicking if he had a more a fuller beard beard. sure no and maybe was a little heavier or a little more bulky like bulked (laughs) a little bit he was he's a very diminutive santa he almost looks like he's a jolly uh old elf yeah there you go he almost looks like the rudolph santa in live action actually very skinny yeah but 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 not an asshole but not an asshole yeah (laughs) but yeah david amber miracle on 34th street 1994 which in my mind, is the far and away superior Miracle on 34th Street. It is. But. No, without without question. I, I mean, talk about a case where the remake is better than the original. I mean, and, and that film has been remade countless times, and that one is, I mean, it has the John Hughes uh, seal on it, and that kind of just adds to it, in my opinion. Also, the climax, to me, was way better than the original, too. The original is like a bunch of letters addressed letters. to Santa, where in the this new one, it was uh, in God We Trust on the Dollar Bill, yeah. and the judge declares, well, more if that's good enough for the government and you can't see God, who am I to say this guy is Santa's guy. not real? Yeah, and that's perfect. No, it, it's so funny because I saw this version long before I saw the original. Me too. And I, I can tell you the letdown I had when watching that film, it was like, wow. I cannot believe this is the original movie. Like, I mean, I knew it would be a little dated and, you know, it was 1946 or 1947, somewhere in that area when it was released. And I, it just, it's like the, the, that, that film, the 94 version is so superior in every way. Again, not just from a budget standpoint and the sets, but just the acting, the performances, just the, the story itself is just much grander. I mean, like I said, in many ways, it feels like the you know forty-seven one is like you know ripping off. It yeah, it's, it's it's a very odd dynamic. But no, I I, I agree with you, uh, Richard Attenborough. He is he, he's fantastic, absolutely fantastic. And I will have more to say on him in in a <laughs> moment. Um, but that brings me to number four, and uh, it is David Harbour. God, I mean. Talk about someone who you would not think could play Santa as well as he does, but he brings a a grit 
and a gruffness to Santa, which I think you do have to have that. Um, mm-hmm. You sort of see that in Ed Asner's uh, take in uh, Elf a little bit, uh, to a lesser extent. Put, put a pin in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, no, but I, I just, I love the whole portrayal of a of a Santa who sort of lost touch with himself, lost the magic of the season. And I mean... I mean, it's Die Hard meets Home Alone. I mean, and then you throw Santa Claus into it. But I, I don't know. I, I was so captured by this movie. Harbor is amazing. And I could easily see him becoming a a favorite Santa for, for this generation and, and future ones just as the years go on, particularly with a sequel. Because like you said, there's a lot of stuff left on the ground that could be picked up uh for a following i mean to say you know mrs claus or the, the north pole or you know bring uh bring krampus into it or something like i mean there's a lot of storyline gotta bring krampus into a sequel well again they sort of hinted with his origin a little bit and I, there's i think there's a lot of different ways the story could go it doesn't just have to be you know santa's taking down some you know bad guys again <laughs> like you know that was that was great but i don't think we want to see it you know necessarily round two you know a la home alone uh lost in new york but uh no he's great like i said he's a modern santa but at the same time there's still that that magic twinkle in his eye and i mean his his interactions with with the little girl i mean it's just i mean that's the stuff of christmas magic right there you know particularly by the end of it you know when he gets his mojo back i mean you know he he, he's funny throughout it like but just you know by the end of it like that's santa claus like you know like i i almost feel like if you know if santa claus was was real like you know okay spoiler alert everybody i know you know (laughs) Um, but like i almost feel like you know he would be david harbour like 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 that would be santa claus like you know kind of rough you know but you know still a big softy (laughs) once you know you kind of you get to know him and the perfect example of him being soft besides the little girl so one of my attributes of santa is the reindeer is not just a mode of transportation they're pets yeah i I love the way he talks to the reindeer. Oh, yes. And when oh. they arrive at the end and he starts going off on them, and then he realizes they brought the bag, and he's yeah. like, how can I stay mad at you guys? <laughs> like, that's perfect. It's a, it's a subtle moment. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Absolutely. No. Love David Harbour, and uh, I, I mean, I, I frankly expect he will uh, he will climb further on on my list as uh, as the years go on, and certainly uh, you know, once we get a Violent Night 2, which... Uh, which i'm hoping is next year i'm hoping like i said i mean i know there was talk about the story during the the strike so i mean hopefully now that things are resolved and whatnot maybe we'll get some uh you know get some word on it i mean the last one didn't take long to make so i mean in theory i was about to say if i remember if i remember correctly it was announced in february they were shooting in april and then it came out in like november december so no i mean this was again this was one of my favorite films of last year uh, Violent Night was was great. So, uh, you know, m- more David Harbour Santa Claus, please. Yes. And uh, I just want to say one more thing. I yeah. love the way his list worked in that film. That's how he brought up the name Naughty or Nice, and then all the deeds around them, so he could judge them. I loved how this movie again expanded the Santa lore in a way that kind of made it feel fresh and inventive, but still very Santa-y if that makes sense uh you know, again <laughs> it still felt part of the christmas uh tradition part of the christmas uh magic but you know sort of a a 21st century uh 
spin on it, if you will. Yep. I just had to say, I love that scene at the beginning when he's at the bar. I think that's just a, a <laughs> great way to introduce uh, his character. I love the scene where he's trying to find something in his bag to attack the guys with. Yeah. All people ask for are video games and DVDs now, and no baseball bats or balls <laughs> <Yeah>. or anything. <laughs> that's another great scene. Love that. Love it. So my number three, yep, you ahead. just brought him up, uh, is Ed Asner in Elf. Very nice. Um, okay. I love the gruffer, more intimidating Santa. Like you said, I think Santa would err more that way in real life uh, if he's been at this job for hundreds, thousands of years. Um, and I think Ed Asner has that has that aspect in spades where you'd be intimidated to go up to him, but he's also has that soft heart to him. When he... Uh, Gives Buddy that pep talk at the end. You're more of an elf than anyone I ever know. Like, you can fix a sleigh. Uh, that's just what you want to hear from Santa. Um, plus, I love that it's Christmas spirit that makes the sleigh fly. Oh, yeah. That's a nice touch. Um, plus, he looked great in the suit and everything. Um, yeah, that was a very good Santa suit. So. Uh, and I'll just say, if she was alive... At the time, well, she was alive, I think, at this time. But either way, if they had a Mrs. Claus in this movie, it would have been Dorothy from the Golden Girls. Oh, yeah, yeah, I could, yeah, definitely could say that. Yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be a perfect Mrs. Claus to his, uh, his, his, his Santa. Santa. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, see that. yeah, I loved his North Pole, the Rankin Bass inspiration. Yeah, it was a nice touch. And uh, he just the jokes. I loved his big book. Yeah. Um, and just even like when James Conn's like, "Give me your hat and coat." Mrs. Claus made these for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are those those are great moments. Yeah, no, he he, I I could I I like that. He is a he. he I think he's an underappreciated Santa uh, in a mm-hmm. lot of ways um, because certainly Will Ferrell and 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 James Conn certainly dominate that movie. But I mean. It's a small role, uh, but it's it's still an important one. I mean, it is an important one. And who doesn't love a good little uh, in quotes action scene for the climax of a movie? And the chase through Central Park is oh, that was fantastic. Great. I put them I on, put the, them naughty on the naughty list, <laughs> and they never forgave me. Yeah, that and, and then he's great. he stole uh, the lethal weapon line. I'm getting too old for yeah. this. <laughs> Which, by the way, with Danny Glover, is it Donald? I always get it mixed up. Who's the one in Lethal Weapon, Danny or Donald? I always get the first names mixed up. Uh, I be- I believe it's Donald, but let's <laughs> let me just. We have we have we have technology at our thing our fingertips. Danny Glover. Right. So with Danny Glover playing Santa now in a Disney movie this year in The Naughty Nine, I hope it make, comes full circle and he gives that line. Like, he originated it in Lethal Weapon and Asner took it as Santa. Now I hope he uses it as Santa himself. I mean, they're, setting them, they're really setting him up perfectly for this. <laughs> oh, love but it. yeah, Ed Asner. No, he's great. No, I, I, I like that. I like that he's on your list. All right, so for number three, uh, I know you'll definitely appreciate uh, this one. Uh, it's Tim Allen for me. Uh, just, uh, I mean, certainly we we talked a lot about him early on, and, and I won't necessarily retread ground, but uh, just a a heartwarming, funny, 
sentimental performance that I mean he is Santa Claus for countless uh, people at this point. If you're talking about a movie Santa, I mean Tim Allen really uh, has cornered the the Claus market in a way, and uh, and and rightfully so because it, it is just a a magical performance, uh, just from the suit, the look to his jolly demeanor. Again, it's never over the top it's never campy it's that right balance uh that you uh that you'd want from santa claus and it's again it, it, it's it's a heartwarming classic what 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 more could be said he's my number two so copy and paste that <laughs> go back and listen to our conversation now um yeah i can't say I get enough good things about him growing up he was my santa claus he still is my he's the santa claus of our generation for sure and uh you know, again, I'm whatever I think of the TV show. I'm glad he will be the Santa Claus for a whole new generation as well. Yeah, he isn't going anywhere. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Uh so number two then uh, for me is the Big Lebowski himself, Mister David Huddleston uh, from 1985's uh, yeah 1985's Santa Claus or Santa Claus the movie, uh, if you will. I love his performance. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I talk about how David Harbour would, uh, you know, sort of be a modern day Santa or, or, you know, how, you know, you were to meet Santa now in real life. I feel like for a, a period of time, you know, mid eighties, certainly before Tim Allen, I mean, this guy just embodies Santa Claus embody and in spirit uh the movie itself is an interesting one i mean certainly if you have any comments feel free to to chime in um it's my thoughts yeah it's <laughs> it's it's not the 1959 movie folks so I, I will say that it's more a more of a traditional santa claus north pole experience but uh you know it, the movie itself is sort of interesting Ding, and I put that in in quotes. Uh, it, it was the creative uh, genius or, or brainstorm from uh, the Salkind brothers who brought the the original Superman films to the big screen, and it's actually directed by Janot Swartz, who directed uh, Jaws two, which we've covered on this podcast, but also Supergirl. So there's a lot of interesting similarities uh fun fact also uh, for all you halloween fans john carpenter was approached to direct this film but he wanted to have final cut and say over the casting of santa so uh he uh ultimately it didn't happen but that's that's a version of the movie i would love to see a john carpenter version of, of santa Ima claus a christmas imagine movie. if he did it and it became as timeless as halloween and he had dominated oh, halloween my. and christmas holidays yeah. I want to live in that timeline right now. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, I, it would not be the movie we we got, which is basically a Superman origin story, but for Santa Claus. Um, again, all of that said, I just love Huddleston's performance. His look, the suit, he, he's he's jolly. He's sweet. He, he's, I mean, he, he, again, he's Santa Claus. Like he's, you know, if you sort of like were to picture a, a Santa Claus off a, off a greeting card or or just sort of a, you know, conjure up, you know, you know, meeting Santa Claus at the mall, like David Huddleston just sort of checks all of those, uh, all those boxes. I mean, you know, certainly I, I wish he was in a better movie, uh, you know, certainly for his talents, but 
you know, for, for what he has to work with in the film, it's, it really is timeless to me. And I remember seeing this growing up as a kid and just being just transfixed by, particularly in the scenes where he's flying through New York city. And, you know, even though it's, you know, a little dated by today's standards, you know, they still it, use it, those scenes in the opening of the radio city Christmas spectacular. See, there we go. There we go. So, I mean, it, it has held up in that sense, everybody. Uh, but no, he's, he's warm, he's jolly. And, yeah, again, he he sort of he looks like Santa Claus just from the beard and just the the suit and his gray. It's kind of like a red overcoat with fur and it's just everything. You know, again, the movie is is a whole other you know story, but but the the details uh, of of the Santa suit and the sleigh and just his his presence, like he he you know he's Santa when when he shows up. You know, particularly when he's acting, uh, interacting with some of the the child actors in the movie. Uh, it's a it's it's a memorable uh, film, and I have to always watch it at least once a year just to just to enjoy uh, uh, Huddleston's performance because it it really is something special. So Huddleston's actually David Huddleston's actually my number one. So All right, well I there we go. Ca- I was right. kind of quiet there. So I and purely he's my number one for the main reason when you conjure an image of Santa in your mind. I don't think any actor has looked more like Santa Claus yeah. than this guy. Yeah. Um, he is exactly what Santa Claus should look like, exactly what he should act like. He has a lot of heart. Um, so as for the movie itself, so I know our friends over at Real Fans for Real Movies, Andy DiGenova and his crew, this is like their favorite Christmas movie of all time. Yeah, not me. <laughs> it's not, I appreciate it. I'll say this, it's, this movie is, Two different movies shoved together. Bingo. Bingo. And that first half, if that had continued the whole movie, perfection. I loved that first half where he's no, the first act Santa. Yeah. Um once you get to the quote unquote modern day with John Lithgow and Patch the Elf leaving and the kids, like that's when it, I start checking my phone and browsing the web as the movie's playing. It forgets um, the Santa Claus movie. Yes. But that first half, as he's becoming sick, so I love his origin story. I love yeah. that him and Mrs. Claus essentially die yeah. at the beginning, and the elves and resurrect them and their reindeer and give them a mortal life. I love that Santa and Mrs. Claus couldn't have children of their own, so they adopt the children of the world. I think all that's great. I love the look great of the North the Pole. Myth. Yeah. The North the look of the North Pole, all this um nordic wood and everything yeah yeah it's a very cool look like very hoppity doors around doors their bedroom was so cool oh yeah um i wanted that bedroom as a kid yeah me too and uh it has one of my favorite scenes in any christmas movie and that's some montage from his first flight and then you see him fly through the years and it's like all the classic carols like edited together as the clocks go by and i listen to that all the time during this time me too it's called christmas rhapsody on the soundtrack um and it's just perfect how he become. you see in a tight five minute montage really how he becomes santa uh you know, it's Mrs. Claus who gives him the idea for a naughty list because yeah. the little girl wrote that her brother was abusing the cat. And yeah. Mrs. Claus is outraged. Um, I love when the, they write the poem about him yeah. and the elves the cookies. don't want to read it to him <laughs> because she called him jolly and plump. Yeah. And Mrs. Claus is laughs and she says, it's a cookie, dear, and it's a hard cut to him eating carrots and at the dinner table. 
people. Um, all of that's fantastic. And if they had kept up that, that energy, been the that style, that yeah, just, you know. um, yeah, because the John Lithgow stuff, whatever, like it's too much. Uh, Having said that, I would have liked to have seen it. They set it up for a sequel. They brought the two kids back to the North Pole. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a sequel with Krampus, maybe. I mean, it was the Salkin brothers. It could have made this a superhero, the Santa of super, the superhero Santas, whatever. But yeah, no, it, it's a shame. I mean, it was, it was not well received at all when it came out. I mean, it definitely has found an audience, and it's, I would say it's a cult christmas classic and i I wouldn't put it in the the staple category but it's it definitely has grown in its stature since its release which you know certainly you know just from the performance standpoint i'm glad to see more people are discovering huddleston because it's he's he's the living embodiment of santa claus in that movie he he, i again i don't think there's anybody who looks better in the role no absolutely no and again, he embodies that warmth and heart, like the way he interacts with the kids. And he's like, you know, even trying to be cool. Like when he lets uh, the boy Joey fly the sleigh with him, he's like, do you know how to say yo? Like to get the yeah. reindeer to go. <laughs> like that's Santa. And uh, again, I mentioned before, it's a porridge me how Santa treats the reindeer. And two of the reindeer were his pets before he became Santa. It was yeah. Donner and Blitzen. And Donner's afraid to fly and Santa's making fun of him for it. Like <laughs> all of it's great. Like all that... Everything to do with him is great. No, but when was... the movie loses the plot Bingo. and it focuses more on Patch and John Lithgow and Christmas too, and yeah, I never understood that. Like the movie's called Santa Claus, but yet we're spending, you know, forty-five minutes watching, you know, Patch make a Christmas commercial. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. God bless Dudley Moore, but it just—I uh, don't know—just <laughs> not. It was He's two no different Bernard. movies. He's no Bernard. No, he is. <laughs> Well said, well said. <laughs> Perfectly said, my friend. Um, Can I yeah, guess your number one? You, you probably you go right ahead. Okay, is it Kurt Russell? No, no. Okay, thank God, because I'll just say before we get to your number one, <laughs> I do not like those movies. Oh no, I I agree with you. I I, <laughs> I mean, it was entertaining, you... but it was not like yeah. Something Which was is a missing. shame because I think he could be a good Santa with a better script, but like those weird squirrel elves and uh, those yeah, movies just no. didn't do it for me. No, I mean, I mean, you, you want to talk about like you know a John Carpenter, you know, member of the company, you know, like there, there is maybe you know how Santa Claus would have been in a John Carpenter film, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Those uh, those movies were not my cup of tea. Uh, no, uh, my uh, my number one is uh, is the late great Richard Attenborough uh, from Miracle on 34th Street. You know, as I as I started off, I said, you know, an honorable mention to Mr. Gwen. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Attenborough should have been the one who uh, was nominated and frankly should have uh, won all of the awards because it is a better performance. It is a more heartwarming performance. It's a more Santa performance. Like I said, Edmund Gwynn comes off as a guy with mental health issues. Attenborough comes across as, as Santa Claus. And that to me is what it's all about from his, his suit to his demeanor, the scene we mentioned with uh, him and, and the little girl, 
it's just it's it's heartwarming it's touching i mean even just his interactions in in the courtroom like you know this is a guy you know fighting to prove that he's santa claus whereas like you know you know gwen is just trying to stay out of the nut house like it's just it, it's, when they bring it, the reindeer in and they're like get it to fly it's i like, can't make the scene exactly like he, just, <laughs> he has such an an earnestness in his delivery and again it's a credit to him as an actor i mean that scene where he's with the uh the shoppers express executives he's like talking about the easter bunny and, and the tooth fairy like you know any other actor you know could it be like deliver that like you know with a wink and a nod or you know tongue in cheek and he just sells it like i said i mean i buy that he is santa claus from the minute you know he's whistling jingle bells and he has that little interaction with the judge's grandson where he's like you know i am santa claus like i don't it's just it's beautiful i mean well even when he wins the case and he has no hard feelings toward the prosecutor yeah and he turns to him and he's like Try to like, can you move the weather vane or whatever he says? Something about knocking the weather vane over in the well, past. I tell you, that for me is what sells that entire movie is that final exchange between him and um, uh, the, the prosecutor. I think it was uh, JT Collins. Um, I, I love that moment because he doesn't say anything, but it's it's his reaction where it's like, yeah, holy shit how's this guy not like it just it's all in the eyes it's like yep okay this this guy is santa claus and that almost makes his santa more endearing because he didn't pull out those tricks to win the trial he didn't no, even, like think he to didn't pull have out those to do tricks. it was no, just he, natural to him you know, I, you know, I, I ripped my pants on it last it's like okay there we go like you know that's it that's why he said yeah he i love his it pants oh it, it's just a it, it's a it, i use that word it's a magical uh performance and uh yeah, I, I just I just love him in that film. It's superior to the original version in in every way, and his Santa performance is by far the uh, the big takeaway for it for me. I mean, it's it's the reason why I put the movie so high on the list. I love the interaction even with young, very young Allison Janey, who is shopping. Oh, that's the, right. Yeah, shopping there, and uh, things are so expensive. And rather, and he just starts giving out other stores that are <laughs> doing it cheaper, and like. That's Santa. Santa no, like, wouldn't be price gouging you. No, and, and again, like, you know, not to knock, you know, Edwin Gwen, but just like lines that he delivered, you know, some 45, 50 years earlier, like just the Attenborough's cadence, his his tone, just the way he says lines. I mean, you put them side by side with the uh with Gwen, and it, I'm sorry, there's just no comparison. It's just Attenborough for the wind. Yeah, a hundred percent. No, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And it's funny. I would I would have guessed him if I remembered you didn't list him already. Nah. But I, I didn't. I forgot I like, when we were talking down for my list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Anthony, if you, if you want to run through your top five again, just as uh to reiterate for everybody. Yeah. So it was at number five, David Harbour. At number four. Uh, David Attenborough at number three, Ed Asner at number two, Tim Allen, and at number one, Mr. David Huddleston. There we go. So uh, for me, number five is the uh, Mickey Rooney. Number four is David Harbour. Number three is Tim Allen. Number two is David Huddleston, and number one, Richard Attenborough. So there now, we go. now I do reserve the right to change this list next year when oh no, yeah, Ar- no. when Art the Clown dresses as Santa in Terrifier Three. <laughs> yes there's the santa claus we all have been waiting for right there you know so, 
Santa Santa Claus is the killer clown. Now, I mean, <laughs> folks, you know, folks uh, who listen to this show, of course, know that a uh, horror is a big, uh, a big uh, uh, focus on this uh, on this podcast from time to time. Uh, Anthony, I'll just I'll close out the final few moments that we have um, in that trailer for Terrifier Three. Are we to believe that uh, Art may have uh, done something to our jolly old uh, jolly old elf? Because God, I hope not. <laughs> I think that might have been a mall Santa he probably yeah. killed. Yeah, I think so. I, think I also don't believe left. he, a lot of people acting horrified that he's about to murder that girl. I don't think he is. I I think he's going to no. do more of the Grinch thing and get her a glass of water, pat her on the head, and send her up as he puts her dismembered parents under the right. tree or something. Yeah. <laughs> it has the cookies and milk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I will just say though, not wildly off topic though. If you could get those facial prosthetics they use for Arthur Clown on the DCU's Joker, like man, now we'd be talking. Oh, that would be something. Oh, that like that's... the long nose and the bony cheek. That's exactly why I want the Joker's face that's, to look like. You know, that's probably going to happen if I if <laughs> I had to wager a guess. If I had to wager a guess, uh, certainly again. Uh, astute listeners who uh, who don't have their fill of me here uh, know that uh, we talk all things uh, DC, specifically a lot of Batman. Ninety percent of the time, Batman. I, yeah, it might even be like ninety ninety nine percent at this. <laughs> I could it might as well just call the show, you know, Batman Unlimited or something. <laughs> Probably no, should have. But... Uh, no, we uh, we we uh, certainly are covering all the uh, the latest uh, on that, and uh, we do that with our friend Chris Evans, and certainly. Uh, We'll be dropping a, a holiday-centric episode later this month uh, with uh, reactions and, and discussions on all the latest DC news, which I'm sure will have broken uh, even more so by the time we uh, record. Uh, uh, but uh, that's uh, just a little tease and a plug for that. But uh, Anthony, I'll, I'll I... tease it one step further yeah, and say right we probably won't be talking Merry Little Batman if I had to guess, but we'll see how we all react to that we'll keep an open mind that's all we'll say right we'll keep it open mind. we'll get back to you that's all we'll say we'll 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 check the list twice uh for all the christmas metaphors um but anthony uh uh before i let you go where can uh where can people find you where can they uh stalk you on social media or in the like yeah so my personal social media um it's at the sanderson bro on x uh if you want to just hear me getting outraged over politics 95% of the time, that's where you can find or, or trolling uh toxic fans, uh, that's where you can find me. Um otherwise, if you want to hear more of me, Phil just mentioned it, DC Unlimited. I we host it, me, Phil, and Chris Evans of Gathering of the Geeks host that. Um, and with DC News picking up, we may be doing it more frequently. I mean, that's why we started it early. Uh, you know. The so, ball is rolling in motion, so uh, the signal yep. is up. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, my Christmas, year-round Christmas podcast is a podcast. You can find it wherever you download podcasts, um, Apple, you know, wherever. Uh, you can also get to all our social media by going to linktree.com slash podcast. We have a private Facebook group that's pretty active this time of year, so check us out. Um, and throughout the rest of the year, you know, a lot of fans in there talk about just movies in general not necessarily christmas movies so check us out um it's a good show with three nerds 
love Christmas, but a lot of pop culture stuff gets talked about too. So, no, as I uh, as I mentioned, definitely uh, definitely check it out, give it a listen because uh, it gets the the fill seal of approval for uh, for what that is worth. So, uh, Anthony, you can uh, pay me the trademark uh, and whatnot <laughs> later on for that. Uh, I'll send yeah. you an invoice. No, you uh, got it. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, as always, folks, uh, my uh, my social media handles uh, you can find in the show notes with uh, any uh, any articles that I have uh, linked as well. I uh, want to thank Anthony again for uh, coming back on the show today to talk about the Santa Claus and really a, a Christmas canon of, of topics. And uh, uh, I, I knew you'd be the person to talk about uh, a, a Santa Claus ranking list. So uh, many, many thanks for that. Uh, was certainly... Uh, have to get you back on uh, a lot I'm sooner to... than uh, than it's than it's been because I think the last time was the Halloween episode. So uh, definitely going to say, speed I, uh, up. yeah, I would love to come back on to talk more Christmas next year, more Halloween next year. But you know me, I'm horror all year round. So and I know you are too. So well, we got a lot of things to drop in 2024, my friends. So uh, keep keep your calendar open because uh, I'm sure there'll be a spot for you at Phil at the movies uh, in the not too distant future. But uh, in any event, uh, Anthony, uh, from my family to yours, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and you as well. Enjoy this time of year. Uh, that is all that I have for you today, everybody. I'll be back next week, and we'll do this all over again for the love of Christmas movies. All copyright material used or referenced in this show belong to the rightful owners and is made possible by the Fair Use Act. Thank you for listening to Phil at the Movies.